0: listening to Carnival on digital radio, live streaming around the world, and on the RSN smartphone app. See the listening guide at rsn.net.au.
1: Daniel Hufford leads the Breakfast Club. The footy season so far has been a tifter's nightmare
0: on Monday's show. Jimmy Bartell's on the throne and the Herald Sun's Glenn McFarlane on deck as we make sense at
2: a footies roundup. The
1: Breakfast Club.
2: Starting your Monday morning from 6 on RSN 927.
3: The symptoms of ovarian cancer sound like part of every woman's life. Abdominal bloating, abdominal or back pain, appetite loss, changes in toilet habits, unexplained weight gain or loss, indigestion or heartburn, and fatigue. But if these symptoms are unusual for you and they persist, please see your doctor. For more information, visit the ovarian cancer program website at nbocc.org.au.
0: Every day, in many ways, The Royal Flying Doctor Service takes the finest care to Australia's furthest corners so that all Australians can enjoy the best of health. The Royal Flying Doctor Service has been taking care of Australians for over 80 years, but we still need your help to continue providing emergency rescue and essential health care to remote and rural communities. Make a donation or become a supporter
4: and help keep the Flying Doctor flying. Do you know someone with macular degeneration or glaucoma? who's finding it hard to get around because of vision loss? They may have recently had a fall, or you've noticed they're no longer able to find their way around safely. If you do, you should contact Guide Dogs. They help people just like this to stay safe and active. And it's a free service. To find out how Guide Dogs assists people with impaired vision to stay safe and independent, call 1-800-804-805. That's one 800 804 805.
5: It's Anna Mears winning gold.
6: Hey, I'm Anna Mears. Winning gold at the Olympics was an incredible feeling, and having my biggest rival, who I'd just beaten, ride up next to me and lift my hand in victory topped off an amazing moment. We'd had our fair share of clashes over the years, but in the end, we both respected each other, and that's what really counts in sport. Be gracious in victory and in defeat. To keep your sport inclusive, safe and fair, go to playbytherules.net.au.
1: This is Danny Green. On a night out just like this, take it from me. One punch can be deadly. Thrown in anger, without warning, without gloves, it can kill. One punch can end their life and ruin yours. It takes grunt to throw it. It takes guts to walk away. One punch can be deadly. Authorized and spoken by Danny Green Perth.
7: Hi, I'm Lane Beachley. Cartridges for Planet Art just had its biggest year ever. On average, 13 and a half thousand printer cartridges were collected every working day. And they were all turned into useful things like pens, garden beds, even road surfaces. So thanks to everyone who recycled from home, work, or school. To make the coming year even bigger, check out cartridges.planetark.org.
8: Live across the web, this is the footy.com match of the day.
9: And a very good afternoon and welcome to the Peanut Farm Reserve in St Kilda for our girlsplayfooty.com match of the day on RSN Carnival. We are bringing you the St Kilda Sharks and Melbourne University in round two of the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition. Both these sides having a win last week. Melbourne Uni with an impressive five goal performance over two. A fair to be said depleted Darabin side who had a few players out being wrested from AFLW. Up against the St Kilda Sharks who won ugly last week. The Eastern Devils looked like they were in control but the Sharks against the Breeze in the final quarter managed to pinch a one point win. One of these two sides will not be victors today it doesn't necessarily mean one will lose who knows we may pull out a draw because these two sides did have a draw last year so it'll be very intriguing to see what we get here today on the susan alberti medical research foundation day here at peanut farm reserve joining us in commentary all the way back from bendigo a road trip and a half a very good afternoon to matthew cox thank you very much peter it was
10: A little less far to travel uh, today to get to the broadcast game. But, yeah, looking forward to, to this match. These sides played each other three times last season. Three different results. The Muggers, obviously, with that big victory in the preliminary final last year to get them through to the grand final. A draw at Tin Alley in that mud bowl in the middle of last uh-huh. year and in that early game
9: back in round six I think it was at Port Melbourne where the Sharks got over the line. And I guess as Sean Smith uh, pointed out uh, in our interview with him last week, they've identified it was a fitness issue last year. thus why you saw the results of them beating the Muggers, then the draw and then essentially being humbled in the final series when they got smashed by Darabin in the semi and then just easily swept aside by the Muggers in the preliminary.
10: And you speak of fitness if we rewind back seven days ago uh, out at Mulgrave Reserve, it was the Sharks that looked fitter because they were able to run out the game a little better than what the Devils were. So it already looks like there's been those little improvements that have been made for the Sharks senior side.
9: Also on today as well, we should be pointing out that at Plenty War Memorial Park, Diamond Creek versus Cranburn. At the moment, the Cranburn seconds are playing in front of us against the uh, St. Kilda Sharks seconds. And then at 3pm at Box Hill City Oval, that game on 3WBC Community Radio, uh, they're bringing you the Box Hill Hawks versus VU Western Spurs game Box Hill, can they put a goal on the scoreboard? That's the question. I, I shouldn't laugh, but, geez, you know, it, it's pretty harsh when it's the opening game of the season after a long pre-season and you put two behinds on the board. You have to be standing there with your hands on your hips going, oh, this could be a long season. It's going to be interesting
10: to see how they respond to mm-hmm. that because, as you say, a long, longer pre-season for a number of those players because there's only one, uh, Melissa mm-hmm. Kyes, that made the mm-hmm. AFLW competition. So a long pre-season for most of those players. How do they bounce back after such a disappointing result in round one? And that will give us a bit of indication to the resilience of that side in 2017.
9: And over the last few years, the Spurs haven't been the most powerful out of the VWFL, former Premier Division club so if the Spurs can get a if Box Hill can be competitive or be close in that game, it does then give them some hope to go, okay, maybe we can challenge Cranbourne and Seaford and the Geelong result was just an outlier last week because, again, Geelong swept aside Seaford yesterday, so we're still trying to find out, particularly with Geelong and Box Hill being new sides, where does everyone sit between the lower end of the ladder? We'd all be surprised if Geelong or Box Hill particularly Geelong uh, make the, the finals but Who knows? And and they're catching the Spurs on a a high as well. They'll Mm. probably
10: go into today's game full of a bit more confidence. They got a good win last week. Probably the margin was a little more than what I expected it to be. So they may go in just with their chest puffed out a little bit and thinking, oh, yeah, we're on top of the world. So there's an opportunity, if
9: Box Hill are good enough, to try and undermine that. At Diamond Creek in Cranbourne, as we mentioned, at Plenty War Memorial Park, this is the first time in a year and a half that Diamond Creek will be back at their home ground, last year having to play at Reservoir while Plenty War Memorial Park was being redone. Yeah, first first,
10: uh, hit on their home track, and I think I said to to you earlier in the week, I think they're going to throw a big party out there today. Diamond Creek... A lot of those players that were injured last season are back in the side. Um, they've got some good young talent coming through. Uh, they're shaping up to be a real contender. And I know it's only round one, but uh, they're looking ominous.
9: I don't think anyone from the creekers will be listening at the moment because they'll be doing their warm-up to get ready for the main game. But if they are, uh, or someone wants to put on Twitter, quote me on this. I'm going for a big call. Hang on, hang on I've got to record I'm this. I'm going for a big call. Within 10 years, at least by 2027... That ground will no longer be called Plenty War Memorial Park. The parkland itself might be called Plenty War Memorial Park. But in 10 years, I reckon that oval will be the Stephanie Chiochi Oval. I'm calling it now. There we go. Record that. Ten minutes past one on May Uh, 12 or 13. she, She played in both premierships for the Creekers. The one where they were down in Northwest Division and then when they got up to play in the VWFL Premier Division. She's the captain of the club. She captained the Western Bulldogs in the Exhibition Match Series. She's the first ever captain of the Collingwood AFLW side. And I, I'm not sure if she's won many best and fairest at, at Diamond Creek. I, I can't remember by looking at the board. But certainly because of that pedigree over the years and being one of the early draft picks in the original first ever women's draft, you would have to suggest that that is the pedigree to put the name up on the sign to say Stephanie Kiochi Oval.
10: Yeah, and she's a she's a fantastic player and obviously a well respected leader too. You don't get nominated to captain a Collingwood side mm-hmm. without many leadership skills. So she is a fantastic player and she found it tough last year. We obviously broadcasted a number of their matches and we commented on it just didn't look like the stiff Kiochi that we'd become mm-hmm. accustomed to and I think that was because she had a whole lot of pressure on her shoulders I mentioned before the injuries going through. They as some very experienced midfielders and she was really carrying the load and the captaincy of the side which made things difficult for her with those people coming back and I think just the, the refresh of going to Collingwood too just getting out of the the, the Bulldogs and, and just having a, a fresh start I think that's helped her find
9: some confidence again. She was missing in that game uh, last year she was missing Lamb for quite a bit of the year she's an experienced campaigner for Diamond Creek she was missing Loins and Audley out there, not only their capabilities in the midfield, but both senior players. And, you know, uh, Audley's the heartbeat of the side. Loins, and inexperi- experienced campaigner. Who are missing at fullback, Tanya Hetherington, was a natural born leader. So she's a leader on the ground. They've also picked up this year, not only to help in the forward line with Malloy and Isabella Eyre, but they've got Emma Grant as well, who is a former captain at Bendigo Thunder. So all of a sudden, there's three or four leaders that are now back on the ground. So not only do you have. The quality. You have people who can put the hand up and lead and tell Steph it is not all on your shoulders. You do not have to carry the burden like last year. We can spread the load. And I think the most
10: important player that comes back into that side is Hetherington. We saw how pivotal she was in 2015 in that defence for Diamond Creek. Last year, obviously not there. And that left a massive hole. They, they, didn't, they couldn't structure up defensively and They missed that steadying influence of, yeah, you go there, you go there, setting up, ordering the directions around. Yes, she was doing that from the bench as the the coach. Yeah. But I think her on-field presence for such a young side that doesn't have much experience, that was the biggest hole for them. And her coming back into the side, okay... Yes, it's another couple of years. She's probably not going to be as influential by skill, but just
9: the fact that she's out there with that presence again I think is the most important thing for Diamond Creek. They didn't let Seaford score for the first half last week, and if you put down the experienced campaigners, now they'll have in their back line. They'll have it full back, Tanya Hetherington. They'll have in the pockets, instead of having to play full-back, they'll have Moorcroft and Attard. Then you go to the half-back line. You, you're probably going to have Jerea back there if she's not on the wing. Then you've got Simone Seacombe there. Then you've got Nicole Paul, who's also come back as well. Plus, you've got Lisa Williams, who normally runs off half-back. So even if uh, Williams did go to half-back, for example, then maybe Jarea goes up to the wing. All of a sudden, you've got a quality-back half and you're freeing up the players on the wing to move forward. Plus, then you've got Malloy to go to in the goal square. Isabella Ayre who will either be in the goal square or at centre-half forward. Emma Grant will be in the middle, helping out, or at least rotating with loins, Audley. Chiochi will probably then, instead of being in the midfield, might even end up going to the wing to have some space to be allowed to run. All of a sudden, quality back-half, quality midfield. All of a sudden, the forward line, that you can hit not only, and we haven't even mentioned Millie Barden, Christina Bernardi in there as well. All of a sudden, you look at that side and you go, "Okay, there's some talent across the board. They've got their numbers back. Hard to tell because they played Seaford last week how to rate that performance. But coming up soon, I think in round three, they'll have Darabin on their home deck. That's D-Day. This is when we'll find out are the Creekers back. And that'll be, if they go on and win today, which I'm predicting
10: that they will, it'll be interesting how they approach that game. Mm. Because...
9: A lot of blood between these two sides over many years and because it's on June 4th as well. Uh, That means another week's break in between. There's a very good chance, probably by that stage, Arnell, Daisy Pearce, Melissa Hickey, Astro O'Connor at that stage should all be back for Darabin. So we should have full strength v full strength. Yeah, which is an exciting prospect.
10: And I know uh, Darabin got up yesterday against the Devils, but if we go back to the game we broadcast last week, they just didn't look like the Darabin of old. And if they were to come up against a Diamond Creek with all these players back in the side that has got this momentum and confidence... Diamond Creek pro- probably would wipe them off the path if they put in the sa- a similar performance they did against the Muggers. But, fingers crossed, we'll see two good sides early in the season.
9: Some sides approaching the, the, this uh, start of the season differently because all of them want to have at some stage a rest the AFLW players. As we said, Darabin have been resting players early, so have been Diamond Creek. Um, St Kilda Sharks have been resting players Mo's out obviously at the moment with an injury fever McWilliams will come back she's currently on the coach's bench for this reserves game uh, I think uh, Jess Gartner as well is due to come back um, and Rebecca Neves still to come back into the side Melbourne Uni on the flip side though are virtually at full strength with Cat Phillips coming back today the only player missing is Cecilia McIntosh it seemed to be Jaco's thinking by the look of it because he's seen the tough games early with Darabin and St Kilda I'm thinking he's thinking, let's get a couple of wins against these sides, get a mental edge, get some points in the bank, and then when we come to the quote-unquote easier sides in the middle of the year, then let's rest our players, then let's tell those AFLW players, put your legs up then, and then you'll come back and we'll hit it fresh into the last few weeks and hit it with a hard
10: run into the finals. The only problem that I see with that approach is that it's a stop-start for some of those Mm. players. If they're going to be rostered off for a week or two weeks, they come in, they play some games, they go back out. That's my only question in a, a long, an extremely long season. Some of these players going back to November, December to when they mm. started training for the AFLW. If I think that routine gets interrupted, whereas I, I don't mind the approach from the likes of Darabin and, and St Kilda holding players back an extra couple of weeks, mm. especially when you've got other players that are looking to prove their worth early that have been training, you know, since... January or February, just uh, holding the more experienced guys back, trying to find out a bit more about the the guys in the reserves, and just getting those players back towards the end of the season, because the the other issue with that is, will the Muggers, for example, run out of legs towards the end of the season?
9: That's a very good question, but uh, I guess one to throw back at you is if you had the choice for a break, do you have a break during now, while it's the nice weather, the good track out there, and you've been Let's be honest, since, since the end of April, you know, you're female football, you're egging to get back out on the ground, you're egging to get back out there with your teammates, so let's just use that enthusiasm. Would you rather that than having to be back and then on some grounds running through the slush and the mud in June and July?
10: another very good point very good point well I know I don't like attending grounds when there is slush and mud and that's from the commentary box (laughs) Um, but it it is a a good point I I also think that it might be a bit influential too to have those experienced players on the bench providing the tips that they've learnt and the coaching techniques we saw it last week with Darabin you had Mm -hmm. Daisy Pearce and uh, I think it was Arnell that was on the bench holding the whiteboard so look two very different approaches going to be interesting to see how it all plays out.
9: Andrew Donison will be joining us soon on special comments, but we're going to take this opportunity to go around the leagues and find out what is happening in the AFL Goldfields competition, uh, also in the uh, WRFL-EDFL Women's Competition, and what's happening in the Northern Country Women's League. That's Crystal Woodruff, Julia Mont, and Chris Thomas. That's all coming up at a moment here on Girls Play Footy, live on RSN Carnival. This is our match of the day. St Kilda Sharks v Melbourne Uni. Bounce down at 2pm.
8: Live across the web, this is the girlsplayfooty.com match of the day.
9: And joining us on the line now to talk AFL Goldfields women's football, we've got Krista Woodruff. Krista, how are you? Very well, and yourself? Not too bad at all. First of all, congratulations on the win yesterday against the Tigerettes. Yeah, thank you. It was a fantastic win.
11: Um, Yeah, the girls were really excited about the day and, yeah, we had a crack and come out on top.
9: Well, let's turn from you to now the competition that you manage, which of course is the AFL Goldfields Women's Competition, and now officially you are broken down into, of course, two divisions.
11: Yeah, we've got our two divisions now um, based on the grading rounds, um, so yeah, we're looking forward to starting the season today.
9: Uh, one thing I noticed is, unfortunately for North Ballarat City, they it looks like they didn't have the numbers to go on, so whereabouts are those players being roughly spread out?
11: Yeah, look, a few of the clubs contacted North Ballarat City to let them know that they, you know, had the ability to go to um to any of the clubs in Ballarat. So I think those girls will be shifted a bit between um, you know, Ballarat, um, Regan and, and East Point at the moment. So, um, they'll still continue to play footy. North Ballarat City are um, going to continue their training as well so that those girls that may not feel comfortable playing this season can continue to train and and developers, players, and then next year have
9: a crack. Let's have a look at Division One Goldfields football and underway as we speak at the moment. at City Oval, Redan uh, hosting Melton Centrals.
11: Yeah, um, that should be a really good game today. Um, I think Redan are really excited. They've got a few players back and um, they're looking like they're playing some pretty consistent football. They've got um, both their teams now sorted with who's in Division 2 and who's in Division 1. So um, I think it's going to make for some exciting football.
9: Uh, Gunning underway at 12.30pm at Osborne Park. East Dragons have travelled down to take on the North Geelong Magpies, who were at full strength last week, and flex their muscles.
11: Yeah, North Geelong Magpies are um, looking the goods, definitely. You know, fortunately... They have a few really strong players. They don't have a lot of brand new players, um, as opposed to a lot of our clubs. East Point, I think, are a bit light on today, but um, I think they're going to really have a have a good run at the footy. Um, the girls that are playing are, are really looking forward to um, showing how good they are, and um, hopefully, you know, um, bringing the scoreline uh, back back a little bit better than uh,
9: previously. 1:20 PM at Borman Reserve, the uh, Sunbury Kangaroos hosting the Ballarat Swans.
11: Yeah, somebody's been looking really good. Um, they've got a few really good girls that have been playing footy for a few years. Um, they've got a few new girls, but you wouldn't know they're out on the ground. So um, I think they'll take it to Ballarat Swans. Um, Ballarat Swans are getting their feet at the moment. They've got a few, few new players and um, just collecting their sales and, and getting ready for the season.
9: Let's flip across now to Division 2. Gisborne having the bye this week. Uh, the early start for Carisbrook hosting Gold.
11: Yeah, Carisbrook are really looking forward today. Um, first game at the home ground. So they'll have their youth deals and their open women's there. Um, look at Carisbrook are looking pretty good. Again, they've got a pretty young site. So, um, they're only going to get better as the season progresses. Um, as I said, Rodan Gold is, um, continuing to improve. They've got a lot of new players in, um, in their division two side. So, um, I think overall it'll be a consistent game.
9: And uh, finally, uh, Sunday, 1pm uh, start, Drysdale uh, taking on the Bacchus Marsh Cobras at Madeline Park.
11: Yeah, I think both teams are really looking forward to that. Um, Drysdale, are, look, they've got a few really good players and, um, and even the inexperienced players are showing um, that they've got some talent moving forward. So um, Drysdale are looking to put on a bit of a show and um, Bacchus Marsh are hoping you know, to pit them at the post and get a win today.
9: Well, Krista, thank you very much for joining us here on the Girls Play Footy pre-game show, and we look forward to catching up with you in a few more weeks to, ca- to talk about AFL Goldfields women's football.
11: No, my pleasure, and happy Mother's Day to all
9: those mums
8: out there. Live across the web, this is the thegirlsplayfooty.com match of the day.
9: And joining us on the line now to talk WRFL, EDFL, women's, we've got on the line the media manager at the EDFL, Julia Mont. Julia, how are you?
12: Good, thank you. How are you, Peter?
9: Not too bad at all. Let's talk another round of uh, women's footy. Round four now in your competition, and uh, you've got underway at this very moment at Rayburn Reserve, Pasco Vale and Glen Orden.
12: Yes, we do. Pasco Vale have had their first win of the season last week, and Glen Ordon have also been showing some positive signs. They had a loss against Robson Park, which wasn't the best, but look, it'll be a good contest at Rayburn. The boys don't usually play well, but the girls have a good game on that reserve. And I think Ashley Ford and Karamatsa are probably the players to watch for Pascoe They'll have a good game for the girls. I think they'll get a win up there.
9: Manor Lakes is uh, hosting Glenroy at 2.20 this afternoon.
12: Yes, uh, Manor Lakes have been in great form, actually. They had a disappointing loss against Keylor, but they held them down pretty well, considering Keylor was one of the favourites. Um, in round one, they actually had an 119-point win against the VU Western Spurs. So they're travelling pretty well. Um, Glenroy have also been a promising team. They're new, so they're a bit less experienced. I think Manor Lakes will get them at home, even though Glenroy have a host of good players. I think they'll really take it up to them. But, yeah, Manor Lakes will just be too strong on the day, I think.
9: And at Wooten Road Reserve 220, uh, Tarnit hosting the VU Western Spurs fourths.
12: Yes, Tarnit haven't had a win yet this season, but they will get experience and they will be better in the future. The VU Western Spurs have been pretty good as well. They've been trying really hard every game. I think Ashley Ashman's showing some really promising signs. She kicked two goals um, in round two, I believe, and Sarah Osborne was awarded best on ground in that game. So, look, they're showing some promising signs, and I reckon they can get the win up there at
13: Wooder Road.
9: There's nothing like a local derby, and at 2.40 at Lakeside Oval, Roxburgh Park and Craggy Burn. Oh,
12: it's going to be fantastic. That's my side of town, so I'll be looking very much forward to that one, and I think I'll be getting down to that game. Roxy have just got their first win, so they've been looking to keep the winning streak going. And Craigman, they've been the surprise package of the season. Um, they won against Pascoe in round one, which wasn't really expected, considering Pascoe have a really strong female program. But Bane have been doing really well, thanks to their captain, Sam French, who's the co-captain. And, yeah, I think, they'll just, I think they will just—I think should bounce back, considering they just lost against Sudbury last week, the more experienced team. But, yeah, Roxy will really take it up to them at home. So, look, it should be a cracking game. I'm really looking forward to that one.
9: Well, Julia, thank you very much for your time. We look forward to catching up with you in a couple of weeks time to talk more WRFL, EDFL, Women's Footy. No problem, Peter.
12: All the best. Thank you.
8: Live right across the way. This is the GirlsPlayFooty.com match of the day. And joining us
9: on the line now from the MBCM Northern Country Women's League, it's their chairman, in Chris Thomas. Chris, how are you? Yeah, good morning. How are you, Peter? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Great to have another round of uh, country women's footy. Let's first of all head up to Benalla. One o'clock start for Benalla and Shepparton. Yeah, Benalla and Shepparton
5: should be a good game. Benalla, uh, yeah, their first game last week was terrific, actually, up against the Thunder, the more experienced Thunder. But, uh, yeah, 24 girls rocked up for Benalla, and they uh, they, uh, started off... With a lot of pride, so, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes, but uh, probably uh, uh, Shepparton and the close one, I reckon, but, uh, look, uh, it'll be terrific up there uh, at, the, uh, at the showgrounds this time round, so they're on the, on the Saints' home ground.
9: At Riverside Park, uh, Kerrang hosting Kitan.
5: Yeah, well, that's uh, the two extremities of our lead, Kerrang and Kitan, so a few miles being done, but the girls love it, and, uh, you know, going up to uh, play uh, the countryside there in Kerrang, they're obviously their first year, and, uh, Kyrnton with a little bit more experience, but, uh, look, it'll be terrific up there. Uh, the experience of Kyneton might come through, but Karang <clears throat> have done a fantastic job in, uh, pulling in a catchment of girls from all around up, uh, you know, the lower Sunraysia area in central Murray. So, um, um, well done to both teams actually for, uh, getting sides on the track. So, uh, should be a good one there, but Kyneton probably the experience, we uh, will shine through, I reckon, in that one.
9: And at 2 o'clock at Waruna Oval, it's the local derby.
5: Yeah, the local derby, Thunder versus North. And once again, it's a bit of experience with the, the newcomers to Women's League in North Bendigo. And a great effort for North Bendigo to get that team together. And they came to Chuka last weekend and had their first game, led by a very keen coach there in Alana. Alana Long, what a good job she's doing, and um, but again, the, uh, that experience from uh, the second side of uh, Thunder, it, uh, it's good that they're pulling together and uh, helping out the, the league and showing the way with uh, that bit of experience, so um, down there at the local derby, you never know with the local derbies how they will go, Pete, but uh, yeah, it would be great for the Bendigo community to see a close game there.
9: And at 2:05 at Victoria Park, and we say Victoria Park and the of course, uh, the Chuka Murray Bombers hosting the Maroochydore Cats.
5: Yeah, well, that'll uh, also be a good game. Both sides pretty even, actually, the way they are placed on the ground. in Chuka's first Women's League um, uh, side, and uh, Maroochydore, uh, well, both teams actually have had a good pathway through of the uh, youth girls in the in the second league. So uh, uh, you know, it should be pretty even that game. Uh, We've got a double-header there uh, on that particular event with uh, the youth girls uh, uh, playing in their Mother's Day round with, uh, with the Women's League as well. Uh, so a uh, double-header there at Big Park. But uh, I'd say that uh, it'll be a close one there at Ejica and Maritna. Um, Maritna more experienced and uh, coached by Brittany Tancred there. So uh, it'll be a good one to see. Live
8: across the web. <laughs> this is the girlsplayfooty.com match of the day
9: and welcome back to Peanut Farm Reserve on girlsplayfooty.com and on digital radio RSN Carnival 2 o'clock bounce down for the Sharks and the Muggers joining us today is the coach of the St Kilda Sharks in Sean Smith and Sean it was an ugly win last week but the most important thing is you banked the four premiership points
14: yeah it was, uh, it, was uh, it was obviously a little bit of a wet day um, you know in the first game there's was always a few nerves and uh, I thought we had enough of the ball to win the game uh, but you know to uh, the devil's credit they they hurt us when they went inside four, uh, 50 um, more than we did but um, yeah we sort of hung tough and we pinched uh, two late ones into the breeze and, and uh, won the game it was good
10: Do you take much out of that game Sean or is it just round one done and dusted move on to today's game No
14: we took a fair bit of it because um, obviously uh, you know talking to the girls in the past you know, probably they may not have won that game Um just showed some good character uh, and and it sort of proves that all the running I've got him doing is, uh, is is paying off so I can sort of throw that back in their face now.
15: Sean, so, were you pleased with obviously the way the, the, the girls finished the game but what, did they stick to the structures and the game plans that you have been implementing all throughout the pre-season. Is that what saw you over the, able to kick those last two goals into the wind?
14: Yeah, yeah, it's correct. Um, we, we lost our way a bit in the third quarter, uh, just with a few structures and that. and then We held our structure, and I think we only had six inside 50s in the last quarter because it was in a bit of a breeze and we kicked two goals, so it, it sort of worked really well. Uh, I think third quarter. I don't think we kicked a goal. And we had 15 or 17 inside 50. So it was, uh, yeah, that that was, uh, yeah, it was a good learning curve for them.
9: If you to look at your list at the moment, we're seeing that you've got a, a comfortable lead over Cranbourne in the reserves. How many are you expecting at the moment from your reserves that are looking like they are pushing for a senior berth?
14: Um, oh, I'd look around and there's there's a few that are right on the fringe at the moment. There's probably about four or five in the in our twos that could step up in the VFL
9: team. I, I see the. The likes of obviously a Champong and a uh, Whitehead out there as well, who yes. hey, were playing first last year.
14: That's right, yeah. Um, they've obviously had interrupted pre seasons and they're just um, doing their time in the twos yeah. uh, to get some fitness. And um, young uh, Georgia Fisher out there, Where uh, there's Noah Clark played there last week. Um, you know, and there's a the young girl AJ Stewart out there and um, Claire Hoy as well, who can uh, look at it stepping up in the, in the VFL.
10: Structurally, after last week's game, were you were comfortable? Were you threw some of the new players into the mix? Obviously, uh, is it Madison Gay? Madison Gay, yeah. yeah. she played a really impressive first up game for you guys.
14: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. She's um, she's never played football before, which is hard to believe. Um, That's a
10: pretty impressive effort to come yeah, straight into the yeah. senior side. Yeah,
14: it's um, yeah, it's just impresses from day one. Uh, same with a girl called Kate Hoare as well on the on the played on the wing. Uh, yeah, Maddie, we threw her around a bit too much, I think, in the first half. Um, sort of didn't really sell her, then she um, she settled up forward a bit. and um, Yeah, she was a very, uh, very important player for us in the last quarter.
10: And, and in terms of that forward structure, obviously we'll mention Hope again missing. Are, are you happy with how that functioned last week?
14: Yeah, I was. I mean, obviously there was uh, there was times in the game where we had too many back uh, inside the fifty, and. Um, Obviously, with with Mo, we've had to without Mo, we've had to obviously try and rethink it. But I think Amy Caddell doing a good job at forward, and Jessie Gardner, you know, she's um Jazzy's Jazzy. Um, she's just she's getting better and better every week. Um, you know, we've got uh, some really good young forwards down there as well.
15: Looking to today's game, Melbourne Uni they had a, a really impressive win over Darwin last week in really trying conditions. They've got. A lot of midfielders who can rack up the the possessions there. Is there a different style that you'll try to play with, maybe a lockdown defender or on a Blackburn or a Carney?
14: I mean, obviously you've got to you got to make them, uh, you know, accountable somehow. Uh, whether it's a lockdown or not, we'll sort of see how the game unfolds. Um, they're both very um, good players, uh, Blackers and um, Emma Kearney, and um, you know they've got some. Uh, Dana Berry up forward is very dangerous. Um, you know, Nick Stevens. I think Nick Stevens isn't playing today, but there's um, uh, Nicola, yeah, Nicola Stevens. sorry. Um, but they've, they've got some really uh, dangerous players apart from that. So,
9: yeah, we, um, we'll we have to see how the game unfolds. And, Sean, one last one before we let you go. Um, obviously, next week, there's a buy since the fixture was adjusted and then we're back again on June 4. What is the plan for the senior side during that bye? Are you looking at maybe at a Saturday morning session or a harder Thursday night session to make up for no game next week?
14: I would just see how the girls pull up after this game. Um, we might just train hard on a Friday night and give them give them the week off, just see where they're, where they're at during the week. Um, we'll, we'll make that decision sort of uh, maybe Wednesday.
9: I'd say, and uh, just yeah, just how the girls are travelling uh, mentally and, and physically. Well, Sean, thank you very much for joining us here on the pre-game show, and we wish you all the very best today on Susan Alberti Medical Research Foundation Day That's at it. Pino Farm Reserve. Big day for the club. Cheers. Thank you. That's Thanks, Sean, Sean Smith there, the coach of the uh, St Kilda Sharks. We wish him all the best today. Against Melbourne University, going to be a big match. Hopefully soon we'll have Andrew Jay go on as well to be able to uh, chat to. But as you can see, confident, calm, they're going through their processes. He seems to be, Andrew, very happy with where the
15: Sharks are placed at the moment. Absolutely. You can tell like the, the pre-season work that they've done determining exactly how their list is best able to, I guess, to, to, to take advantage of the players that they have. And, and they've put together their strategy, they've put together their tactics, and it all came together last week. Obviously, the third quarter, as Sean said, wasn't necessarily what he would have liked, 15 or 16 inside 50s, and just the, the one point scored with the breeze. But to be able to then say to his team at three-quarter time, this is the way we play, this is what we do, and it's going to work, saw them have just the five inside 50s, but be able to kick two goals, including those last two goals of the game to take the one-point victory.
9: I should point out with last week as well, with a lot of those inside 50s, particularly in the third term when they were down. Tilly Lucas-Wright getting a lot of the ball, half-forward flank, out wide. And the question is, they were bombing away. They were bombing away and working wide instead of trying to size it up and head to Cattle. Caddwell was doing a straight run, going square to the hot spot, 30 metres out. Straight line, straight line. And they get getting caught going wide. No one trying to kick over a pack and trying to put it into Catterall's arms 30 metres out from goal.
15: Yeah, and and look, that's probably something that the the conditions might have dictated. They may not have been able to to be able to to get the ball in the position that they wanted to, to enter their forward 50. Eastern Devils, in terms of their defensive structures, may have been pushing them wide. I think that early in the season, you want games like that where you're not necessarily getting the ball inside 50 how you want because then you can figure out, okay, we've got you know the rest of the season to work out exactly what we need to do how we can counter what the opposition uh, are, are putting up against us but also how best to use the forwards. No, Maybe if you've got a key mark in forward, having them at full forward isn't necessarily working for you. Put them at centre half forward, allow them to push up to the wings and have them be the one that delivers the ball into the forward line.
9: The big question today for the Sharks is going to be Emma Carney. Emma Carney can run and run and rack up disposals. The question is, is there anyone that's got the athleticism to go with her? Do you just try and stop her? And as we said, the problem is you stop her Ali Blackburn becomes free. Do you just go, okay, we're just going to have to concede that she is just going to be running away and, and racking up the possessions like they're going out of
15: fashion? Well, I think you start with uh, a, a one-on-one. You start with a player and just say, watch her at the, watch her at the clearances and, and but then try to get the ball and make her defend, I think is what, you, what you'd be trying to do.
9: One gentleman that certainly doesn't want Emma Carney stop that we're talking about is the coach of Melbourne University and Andrew Jago. Andrew, thank you very much for joining us and congratulations last week on a big five-goal win against Darabin. Uh,
16: thank you very much against half a Darabin side um, which, you know, don't get me wrong, half a Darabin side still a very, very good side so we're very grateful to get away with the four points but recognised our run weren't in full strength either. So,
10: Does, it, does that, obviously you've just mentioned that it changes the, the sort of mentality coming out of that, but does it still fill you with confidence that you were able to knock off the premier side of the competition?
16: Oh, look, it's always um, a confidence boost when you, you get to compete with the best. Um, and I believed our best football last year was very, very competitive. We were just far too inconsistent. We didn't have it all the time. So, again, to be able to sell the message to the girls, if we do our football our way often enough that we're very competitive, yeah, it's a nice bonus early. And were you
15: pleased with that, our football, our way, or was there a few things that you worked on during the week that didn't quite <laughs> uh, sort of translate on the field last week? Very, very much. <laughs> we had quite a
16: bit to uh, work on during the week. Look, we got, um, we have our a, a series of keep performance indicators, we actually only hit 3 out of 10. Um, So there was still a lot of work that we needed to do. Um, Now, don't get me wrong, credit to Darabin that they denied us um, that. The thing I was really pleased at, um, Look, they made a real run in the third quarter, they kicked a goal in the first 37 seconds of the first quarter, and then I thought our girls really soaked up the pressure very, very well, which is something that we have been speaking about and something that I was genuinely pleased about. We didn't actually have to change our structures. We didn't have to throw anyone behind the football. Our defenders worked one-on-one and I thought it worked exceptionally well. Um, we got a couple of matchups to go our way. Um, a couple of the risks we took paid off. Um, so happy with elements, but certainly didn't think that was our best football. I'll be disappointed if we're still playing like that, you and know, as, August, September.
9: And as you touched on the back half held up really well. When you consider as well that you've lost, Nicole brand is staying up in Queensland. And Beck Goring playing with the catch this year.
16: Absolutely. Look, and they were literally our first two pick last year. They were our centre-half back and our full-back every week. So, yeah, two massive holes um, to fill. And I thought the girls did it. And I mean, Gab Pound obviously took on a new role last week, uh, went to the half-back flank, and I thought it did a really, really good job. So Gab will start there again this week, and, you know, hopefully we'll get a bit more rebound out of it today because it's drier she had a very, very defensive role on Darcy last week and I thought played a really good game of footy.
9: I think she won the mental game with Darcy as well. Darcy seemed to be very hesitant in what she was doing, including there was one occasion she was having a shot on goal from 15 metres out any other time. Darcy would have a snap at that and went across the face, sprayed it, and there was no score out of it.
16: Oh, look, um, you know, we we talk about implied pressure all the time, and implied pressure comes from the fact that the first time you hit the ball, there was pressure, the second time there was pressure, the third time there was pressure, and then eventually the pressure's there, whether it is or it isn't. Um, And that's what we we work very hard on. We like to get our uh, pressure acts up very, very early, and that was one of the KPIs we didn't hit. Um, Our pressure acts up early, so it actually has that implied pressure for the rest of the game, as we call it.
10: One of the players we were impressed with that was filling one of those gaps in defence was Alex Saundry. Did a
16: good job. Did a very, very good job. Are
10: Um, are you you going to look at trying to cement them down in defence or are you going to rotate? Because I know Hunt was was more on the ball following Brennan around. Are are those two your your key pillars of defence now? Oh,
16: look, um, it's becoming the the catch cry in the AFL. We want a versatile side, um, which I know everybody... This is just an excuse for I haven't picked the team yet and I'm throwing it around. Um, But I thought Alex did a great job, not just in her one-on-ones, but the fact that she organised the back six so clearly. Um, And we we have our feedback sheets from the girls during the week and it was something that every player that played through the back line mentioned. The organisation from behind, in Saundry's voice, just gave them confidence to go and win the footy.
15: Looking forward to today's yep. game, the, the Sharks had a, a really good win last week, coming from behind, kicking Absolutely. the last two yep. of the game. You guys kicked three goals in the last quarter as well to, to stretch out that lead. Is that something that you, you think is where the battle is going to be won in terms of who can run out the game better? Um, look, I think that, yes,
16: will have an impact. I think the midfield's going to be... I mean, have a look at their midfield. They've got Davy, they've got Brutton, they've got uh, Benici, um, and that's before they start throwing their rotations through there. I mean, they've got an exceptional midfield. Luckily, we have a pretty good midfield as well, so I actually think the battle's probably going to be in the midfield, uh, the side that can win it from stoppages enough and get it forward often enough to put scoreboard pressure on. But yes, um, you you look at our history with the Sharks and every game over the last three years has basically been decided in the last five or six minutes. Um, They got us once at Port Melbourne, we got them once in a final. But apart from that, it's literally been down to the last five minutes. So yes, I would expect uh, rotations will be very important to have the legs to still be running late in the game
9: Talk about having the legs you get your speedster back and Cat
16: Phillips Very very nice isn't it Um, gives us a nice little wing rotation doesn't when you've got Phillips on one wing and Ashmore on the other both of them who you know probably could only catch each other Um, it was really interesting Thursday night um, because Cat's been away playing Frisbee again Um, she and Cashy were manned up on each other in some match simulation and um, Kat picked up the ball one-handed, just cut back inside Cashy and hit a pass laces out to Jess Anderson coming out of the forward line. And Cashy looked at her and said, excuse my language for a sec, mm, you've learned to kick. <laughs> it, was just, it was just sensational. Two, two elite running athletes and Kat's picked it up flat out and Cashy's going flat out, not getting any closer to her and it's just gone like a tracer bullet to Jess Anderson and it was just an acknowledgement of, yeah, your skills are coming on nicely.
10: Does that make you feel proud as a coach? Because I know Cat. I think it was her first season playing footy it last was. year. it was to see her development under your not sitting in your ivory tower or anything like that, but <laughs> just just overseeing their development as a as a whole
16: oh look it it gives me a great deal of pleasure. Not so much in CATS development, but our philosophies are right. Um, when I first came to the club, I said to them, I'm not, this is going to sound silly, I'm not interested in win loss ratios, and you guys have heard me say that a thousand times. And I actually genuinely not. They tend to look after themselves if you get the best out of the players. So we try very hard to develop players. I mean, you'll see, um, you know, Ab Pound can play on the wing, she can play on the midfield, and we're starting to show she can play on a half-back length. Uh Jess Anderson can play forward. Uh, no-one's seen Jess Anderson in the midfield yet, but I'm telling you, when she gets in there, be careful. If Jess runs in very, very straight lines, is very, very quick and kicks the ball very, very powerfully. Um, please don't think for a second I'm saying she's in Brie Davies' class, but she's that type of midfielder. We'll expose her to the midfield this year, because I think that's part of her development. It potentially shows Melbourne that she's worth keeping, because she can play another role. If she ends up being delisted from Melbourne, it's the Western Bull Dog suddenly go, well. Oh, maybe she's a forward, maybe she's an on-baller, maybe she's a centre half-back, yeah, I can use that girl. And that's what I think our job at the VFL is, to demonstrate that players are ready to play the next level, and I guess that comes from my team. TAC background, to be honest. I mean, that was the philosophy we took into the TAC, and that's the one I brought down here.
9: Andrew, just one last one before we let you go. Uh, One play that impressed me with two acts that she did, even though she didn't get onto the scoreboard, was Kate Schiller in the first quarter, being a big girl, holding the ball, taking the mark in the wet.
16: Absolutely. It was Actually, you should have come to my uh, feedback night on Tuesday night when we went through the edits. Very first lead of the game, she's come up. uh, Blackers has hit her laces out. She had um, Ibrahim running inside. She's taken the mark, fed it inside Ibrahim, and unfortunately Unfortunately, the ball hit the ground but hopefully on a dry clear day that's very very exciting unfortunately she won't be with us today um, she's got a slight strain in her hamstring so we could have played her but with next week being a bye um, she'll miss uh, Nick Stevens will miss uh, Hannah Ibrahim will miss and Cat O'Brien comes back in for Candy Adams, so we've got four changes this week.
9: Well, Andrew, thank you very much for your time during the pre-game show, and we wish you all the very best today when you take on the Sharks. Thank you, gentlemen. Much appreciated. That's Andrew Jago, the coach of the Melbourne University Muggers, joining us here on the pregame show at girlsplayfooty.com and also via uh, RSN Carnival Digital Radio right across Melbourne. Two very well-spoken coaches. Very
10: impressive coaches and always willing to give up their time to speak to us pre-game, um, or most coaches are, across, mm. the, across the competition. But, uh, yeah, two very well-spoken gentlemen too with some very good rivalry that's been building over the last couple of years. I've
15: got to say, one of the, the things that really stood out with, with, with Andrew just there was his talk about the development of the players. And, you know, it, it, it can be a bit trite to say we don't care about win-loss ratios, but there is the pathway now that is present up to the AFLW level. And you could just see and hear in his voice that he was so proud of some of the players that mm. have come and he's been able to, to you know, identify areas where they're deficient and been able to get them to, to progress and, and become good all-round footballers.
10: And I think the he mentioned it in the, the last response to that particular question was he's got that mindset of, okay what happens on the field happens on the field. But if you're, you're improving as a player, you're, you're impl- improving with your skills and just having a focus of, okay, yes, this is a, a good operating level for, for success, but to take that next step, you need to do these things and you're working on these things. That doesn't mean that the senior side is the elite side, which, which I think is fantastic for the way women's footy is
15: growing. Yeah, definitely a case uh, that... that Everyone seems to be super invested in the entire development of it, and you know I've got a, a history with, with D in in the amateurs, and we, like yesterday they had a second victory for their women's team. They they played three games, <clears throat> excuse me, in the the grading where they weren't necessarily matched to, to the right level, but now that they've been put into the, their right division, they're showing that their skills are developing, that they're playing uh, the way that the coaches want, and and it's it's like that across all of the leagues across Victoria which is just brilliant to see
9: indeed it is and uh, you just wonder with Andrew Jago how confident he is how well he speaks how much he knows about the competition how unlucky he hasn't been to get an AFLW gig as a head coach because you can tell that he's talking about the development let's hope let's cross fingers with one of the expansion teams that they uh, do give him the knowledge I do give him the heads up because particularly when you're an expansion team You're going to get a pretty weak list. You might get two or three marquee quality players because the AFL will bring in some type of equalisation. But from there down, you're going to be having some pretty raw recruits and a lot of girls coming through the equivalent of the TAC Cup girls that are 18 years old. So you're going to need someone like that who can say, and be patient to say, realistically, we may not push for a flag for two or three years, but I'm here to build you up for when we're ready. And, and that's, you know, if you want a blueprint,
10: look at Melbourne Uni and where yeah. they've come from over the last three and seasons. And they've always had
9: a fairly young side at uni. They
10: have. And one that, OK, when it, when the day's going well, they can play some extraordinary football. But when they have had an off day, say two years ago, mm. it was a real off day. Now when they have an off day, they, they're still managing to get over the line, which I think is an incredible credit to him. And the, the way, it, like, his coach, in his own right, from the TAC Cup level, now here to the Muggers, that, to me, is a strong enough indication that if you're going to look down that path of developing a group of players going forward, he's the
9: man that you want at the top of the list. The amazing thing is, and we'll, ta- we'll take us back two years to 2015... 2nd last round, they got absolutely murdered by Darabin. We're talking about 150 points at West Preston. And the loss was so bad and did so much damage to their percentage, it brought them into the last round where there was two games going on at once, and Melbourne Uni were in the box seat that if they lost to Diamond Creek, they were out of the finals. And somehow they dragged themselves and beat Diamond Creek, who was second, dragged themselves over the line to win by a point albeit through a a last-minute miss by Diamond Creek directly in front. But they got them into the finals. They beat St Kilda. They were up at half-time against Diamond Creek and only went down by a point against Diamond Creek. To come back to that position after getting murdered by 150 points was impressive. And then, of course, next year they had, you know, what we say, um, even though they technically ended up third, they made the grand final and they look dangerous in the grand final.
15: For those people who are listening at home and not at the ground, the St Kilda Sharks are coming out led by Susan Alberti. She's just about to burst through a banner that says, Thank you, Sue. It's a beautiful picture of of her on that. She is just... She's... The matriarch, the, the leader, she is just the absolute icon of this development of women's football in recent times. It's, it's fantastic to see her getting the recognition that she deserves. And have a look at the young kids too, the young Oz Kickers, I'm assuming
10: that yep, that they are. Yep. yep, Oz Kickers will be at halftime having a little game as well. Just have a look at the smiles on their faces. And they're all, they're all young girls.
15: H- how fantastic is that to see? We saw yesterday down at Ocean Grove at Shell Road Reserve in the Geelong versus Seaford match. The Ocean Grove Juniors had a game beforehand, and all of the girls hung around for the game. They were out there at halftime having a kick of the footy. They were out there at the end of the game having a kick of the footy, and it's just yeah, it's so refreshing to see. And uh, Pete, after the after the game, when we were wrapping up was asking me a question about my coach and I'm coaching under 12 girls and it's just the absolute, I don't know, like explosion of of teams in the South Metro Junior Football League on its own means that Across the next 10 to 15 years, the, the women's comps in Victoria and then the AFLW are just going to get so strong.
9: Two points on that being, as you are with the Caulfield Bears, that technically makes you a feeder club to the St Kilda Sharks. So when they, how they plan it, when they work through the system, maybe one or two of your girls will end up at the Sharks for VFLW level to push for AFLW. And at the same time, and you'll probably end up getting one down there, as that the girls at the Sharks and all the other clubs, particularly those that played AFLW and even those that have just played VFLW, have all been willing when a club puts their hands up saying, oh, can you speak to our girls?
15: They'll go out there and speak to the junior girls. And not just those that are you know, required to. There are some yeah. who are uh, assigned to, to certain areas, you know, the, the marquee players in There's particular. Part of the However, yeah, others are just more than happy to go, yep, I'll pop down to, to training and, and, and have a bit of a chat. And you should see the, the girl And we saw it here. Like, all those girls were... Well, their eyes lit up when Sue Alberti and the St Kilda Sharks were there. All of these girls, like, we talk about, you know, uh, we have split the team into three groups. And it's the, um, the Brennan group, the Vessio group, and the Pierce group. And when we told them what group they were in, they are like, oh, yes, I love Daisy Pierce. So it's becoming known, all of these players. Like, and, and yeah, as I said, it's just such a good feeling watching all of these girls just learning the skills and develop. We'll
9: take a quick break here on girlsplayfooty.com's Match of the Day on RSN Carnival. We'll return shortly, 2pm, it's the bounce down of the big game in round two of the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition, the St Kilda Sharks and Melbourne Uni, live at the Peanut Farm Reserve in St Kilda.
0: You're listening to Carnival on digital radio, live streaming around the world and on the RSN smartphone app. See the listening guide at rsn.net.au.
3: The symptoms of ovarian cancer sound like part of every woman's life. Abdominal bloating, abdominal or back pain, appetite. Night loss, changes in toilet habits, unexplained weight gain or loss, indigestion or heartburn and fatigue. But if these symptoms are unusual for you and they persist, please see your doctor. For more information, visit the Ovarian Cancer Program website
17: at nbocc.org.au.
6: I usually wear white.
17: And I prefer black. But lately, we've been getting into orange. When you're wearing SES orange, you know you you're making a difference. And you're learning great new skills. You'd be surprised how good you'll feel in Orange. The Victoria State Emergency Service is recruiting volunteers now. For a broad range of roles, visit ses.vic.gov.au or call 1300 842 737 and find out if Orange is right for you. Authorised by Victoria State Emergency Service, Melbourne. Spoken by Emery A Smallwood. Hi, I'm Lane Beachley.
7: Cartridges for Planet Art just had its biggest year ever. On average, 13,500 printer cartridges were collected every working day and they were all turned into useful things like pens, garden beds, even road surfaces. So thanks to everyone who recycled from home, work or school. To make the coming year even bigger, check out cartridges.planetarc.org.
18: Children drown in portable pools every year in Australia. Others are hospitalised because of non-fatal drowning incidents. Young children can easily topple in and drowning is silent and happens quickly. Royal Life Saving and consumer affairs agencies across Australia are reminding people to take important safety steps like active supervision of kids in and around portable pools. The question is, can you make it safe? For more information and simple safety tips, visit royallifesaving.com.au forward slash make it safe. Oh, hi.
19: I'm Maria from Sesame Street. And Elmo's Elmo. we're here to talk about driveways. Driveways can be dangerous for children. Poor little red monsters. So it's important for parents to always watch their children around them. Yeah, driveways are for cars, not for play. That's right, Elmo. Play only in safe places away from driveways because people in cars may not see you. Uh, Elmo sees you, Maria. Tag, you're it. are <laughs> oh, right, come, Elmo. <laughs> Remember, driveways are like roads. Always supervise, separate, and see. Learn more at kidsafevic.com.au. It's Anna Mears winning gold.
6: Hey, I'm Anna Mears. Winning gold at the Olympics was an incredible feeling. And having my biggest rival, who I'd just beaten, ride up next to me and lift my hand in victory topped off an amazing moment. We'd had our fair share of clashes over the years, but in the end, we both respected each other, and that's what really counts in sport. Be gracious in victory and in defeat. To keep your sport inclusive, safe and fair, go to playbytherules.net.au.
1: This is Danny Green. On a night out just like this, take it from me. One punch can be deadly. Thrown in anger, without warning, without gloves, it can kill. One punch can end their life and ruin yours. It takes grunt to throw it. It takes guts to walk away. One punch can be deadly.
8: Authorised and spoken by Danny Green Perth.
0: Lester tells you why. The will to do it and the bravery to do it and Huntley tells you how. He just looked to be squeezing through gaps that weren't even there at some stage. Australia's most respected form analyst and the consummate track man. Together, wrapping up Saturday's racing every Sunday
2: morning on Correct Wave. From 8am, it's the full racing review. Then, from 9.30, Brad
0: Baker leads the Sunday racing preview. It is a beautiful morning and we'll be racing on a good track. Correct Wave is your full Sunday briefing. Sunday mornings from 8 on RSN
2: 927. Thanks to Tab, we love a bet.
8: No across the web, this is the girlsplayfooty.com match of the day.
9: Indeed, it is the girlsplayfooty.com match of the day on RSN Carnival Melbourne Why Don't forget you can download the RSN app to your mobile phone from the app store and then just click on Carnival to hear our live broadcast of the Swiss VFL women's competition. We are bringing you St Kilda Sharks Melbourne Uni, not too far away from a bounce. And we should uh, just point out uh, uh, very importantly as well, that uh, we will not be on air next week simply because that there is no VFL Women's uh, next week because they've actually moved the grand final date a week later to line up with the VFL Men's and it will now be at Eddie Etihad Stadium in late September. What was going to be the original round three has been moved to the back of August and the finals are starting a week later. So because of that, there's a general competition by next week. We'll still have our weekly show 6.15pm Wednesday evening but we'll be back on the weekend of June 4th to bring you... More VFL women's action when the new round three recommences. Then hopefully, you can follow that at home. Yeah, what on earth are you talking about, Pete? Just a way to get (laughs) listeners to tune out. No, no, I
15: think think the takeaway from that is uh, follow Girls Play Footy on Facebook and Twitter, and you will be up to date with everything that we're doing, whether it be live calling, whether it be podcasts, whether it be. Pete just coming up with some new ideas for engagement. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful day here down at the peanut farm. 14.5 degrees, a breath of wind. Doesn't look like it's going to be favouring one end or the other so I think we're in for a really high quality game of football.
9: Penny Kula Reed has won the toss for the Sharks and is kicking towards what I call the Barclay Street end of the ground. Barclay Street just one street over to the Lunar Park end left of your radio dial will be uh, Melbourne University kicking. Of course the co-captains this year for the Sharks in uh, Penny Kula Reed and Brianna Davey they've got co-captains by the way with Melbourne Uni in Ellie Blackburn and Emma Carney but just that occasion Emma said I got the toss it's, it's all cool. I got it. I got it. I had nearly three Disposes last week. I know what I'm doing. It's a bit weird seeing two two players from one side going towards the, the middle for the
10: toss. Who actually gets to decide? I think that's going to be the first question I'm going to ask if we get Penny Kieler-Reed
15: or Brianna Davy on the broadcast throughout the season. <laughs> Who actually decides which way you're going to kick if you win the toss? There's a couple, there's a couple of power plays there. The, the two players going in to meet the one means that, you know, we're strength in numbers, but also the power play within the team as to, as you say, whose turn is it to, to call? What are we going? going? going to call, does someone, you know, come in on their off week and just quickly go, heads... (laughs) <laughs> that, that, that is why the umpires do
9: the toss now. Apparently in years gone by, back in the 60s, it used to be uh, just the two captains met together and tossed. And EJ Witten's old trick used to be when the coin was in the air, yeah, we're going that way. Thanks, yep. mate. <laughs> so that's why they have the umpires look over it now. But w- wouldn't it be funny if two co-captains come up, the coin toss happens, and they both point in different directions? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
15: So, yeah, who gets the ultimate decision as to, to which way they're kicking? Senior so, already. All of this, why, as, as you say, Coxie, we, we need to, to find this out during the season. That's the most crucial news topic of uh, round two VFL <laughs>
10: women's.
9: Well gentlemen, they're just about ready to get in position. Peter Holden, Matthew Cox, Andrew Donison with you today. Andrew, your tip for today's game and by how much?
15: I'm going to go Melbourne Uni 14 points, midfield too strong. Matthew Cox. Melbourne Uni by 6 points.
9: They're going to hate me at the Sharks, but Uni by 3 goals. As uh, we just about have everyone in position, the mascot Susie the Shark coming off the ground as we speak. Great crowd in for the Susan Alberti Medical Research Foundation Day. I reckon a crowd of about 300 here, which is fantastic to see. To get us underway on girlsplayfooty.com, match of the day, and RSN Carnival Digital. Here's Matthew Cox, Kath
10: O'Brien returning to the Muggers' lineup for round two of the Swiss Wellness VFL. Women's competition. We're underway. O'Brien won the tap. Carney paddling it forward. Then Sockers it towards centre half forward. Picked up on the half volley by Bailey. Got the handball inboard to Davies. She was caught in a tackle immediately by Berry. Ball goes to deck in dispute. The umpire says it's not coming out and we will get a ball up. Melbourne Uni with a spare behind the play. So O'Brien and Colwell do the ruck work, Colwell got the tap for the Sharks, follows up her own work, got the handball across to her teammate there in Hoare, a nice kick to the attacking side of the broadcast wing and the Sharks move it towards the flank, Walsh has two muggers to beat, good tap there by Hay sees the ball close to the boundary line on the broadcast side and eventually it will be seen over the line and out of play, we'll throw it in half forward flank, broadcast side for the Sharks, no score either side about a minute into the first
9: turn both Rucks put their hands up in the air to give their acknowledgement. Colwell versus O'Brien. Went out the back door, but Colwell picked it up, gave the quick little hand pass away. smuggled on Kate Horner, tried to get a kick away, went back and got it again. Got dumped by O'Brien. Now picking it up there is Schleicher, got knocked out of her hands. Blackburn is there, it gets brought to ground and over the boundary line and out of bounds. Good tackle by Schleicher. We'll have a throw in 60 metres around from the Sharks goal. St Kilda attacking towards the Elwood or Barclay Street end of the ground. Umpire arches her back and throws it into play. O'Brien once again versus Colwell. O'Brien wins the tap. Ball hit the ground. Tap They couldn't control it. Trying to get it in uh, mid-air there was Paul to try and move it forward. But she got caught straight away by O'Brien. And the umpire comes in and calls for another ball up on special comments. Andrew Donison.
15: Some really strong tackling here going on. Particularly by Cat O'Brien, the ruck. Colwell. Palmed
10: it down, Davey coming through, ran into a brick wall and had to retreat to Bailey. Got the 1-2, did Davey, and sends a long ball inside, attacking 50. Searching for Walsh, it was punched out of her hands. It's on the deck, and the umpire should call for it here. He's let things go, now he finally does. We'll get a ball up, 40 out from goal, broadcast side for the Sharks.
15: That's the loose player in defence, Alex Saundry, who was able to mop up there.
10: Back underway. O'Brien got a fingertip to it. The umpire said she was being held, so she'll get the free kick. In defensive 50 for the Muggers. Goes short to Eva. Eva searches for options. Wanted to go inboard. And finally does towards centre-half back, searching for Pound. Ends up with a footy, but got claimed immediately by Colwell. Umpire calls play on. Ball emerges with Blackburn. Gets it forward. Kerrick going in. Colwell at the bottom of the pack. We'll get a ball up back inside the centre square here at the Peanut Farm Reserve on girlsplayfooty.com
15: radio. Nicola Liston making sure that Carney earned that last disposal, throwing her to the ground after she got rid of it. Early
9: stages, first term, no score on either side. O'Brien wins the tap, tries to put it to the advantage of Hall, who got caught straight away by Eva. Ball hit the ground, picked up by O'Brien. It was caught by Davies. She's going nowhere. And the umpire comes in to call for another ball up. We're on centre wing, broadcast side here at the Peanut Farm Reserve. O'Brien and Conwell. O'Brien misses it. Blackburn tried to pick it up. Ball is uh, thrown in the air. Hall manages to tap it along. On wing position, got the little hand pass away while well, Pound was putting on the pressure. Having a duck and weave, Bonnie now got it across. Putting it on the boot there is Jess Gart. Had to be good and was and found Walsh. Walsh is 55 metres out against the boundary line. Now putting it on the lead there of Ghana, who came out and took a lovely mark. She's 45 metres out up against the boundary line. Ghana now toe pokes it towards the top of the square. Ghana went flying through the air, went through her hands. Did they get a toe poker to it? They didn't. Well, Ashmore put on the pressure. Tilly Lucas-Rod just uh, seeing it through for a minor score. That's the first score of this afternoon. It's the Sharks one behind. Melbourne Uni, no score. Pound goes straight
10: up the corridor with the kick. Carney takes the mark. 40 out from her defensive goal and decides to go for a run. No one on the mark. Wide ball towards Anderson. Centre wing out of side. Brutton got there first. Got a tap to Mia Ray Clifford and sends the ball to Brianna Davy. Half forward flank out of side for the Sharks. They lead by a point. Kick. Inboard comes the way of Hoare. She takes the mark at centre half forward. Looks for options inside, attacking 50. High ball, top of the goal, square wall, shitting down, waiting for it. Paddles it forward for the Sharks. Saundry tries to get it out of there. Got it to Kerrick, gets it to Carney. Back pocket out of side for the Muggers. High ball in the O'Brien direction. Just too hot for her. Colwell arrives on the spot, pressured by Ashmore. Got it to Davey, got it to Tilly Lucas. Rod, back inside, attacking 50 for the Sharks. But straight down the throat of Madeline Kerrick in the back pocket
9: out of side. And Kerrick decides to go for a dangerous switch to pound who had to get on her knee to take that mark while under pressure from Gardner Pound in the long sleeves now towards the halfback flank Clear the pack umpire said there's a push and it will go the muggers way they'll have the ball halfback flank Andrew Donison Sean
15: Wilson there in a two on one really good contest there bringing the ball to ground and getting the free kick
9: broadcast side
15: Wilson on the right boot goes further up the line looking for Blackburn
9: who had to be good while under pressure takes the mark while diving Blackburn Right in front of our broadcast position on the girlsplayfooty.com match of the day through RSN Carnival Digital, heading in the spark direction, went over her head. Carney at the back lost control of the football. Now being picked up there by Ashwell, who goes for a run and a shot on goal. One bounce did it go through. It did. Muggers in front, one straight six. The sharks no score here on R- Sharks one behind here on RSN
15: Carnival. Magnificently worked there by Melbourne Uni. Started with that free kick on a halfback, and they just got the chain of possessions. For St Kilda, Tilly Lucas-Rod tried to intercept, just bounced out of her reach and the, uh, the Muggers were able to just easily pop that through from distance. Early stages, first term.
10: It's hard to get a read on it at the moment. Been a bit of an arm wrestle early. Round two, VFL Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Action back underway in the middle of peanut farm reserve, Stevenson in the ruck this time around Colwell got the tap to Davey, high ball towards centre half forward, Saundry came in from the side and took a good mark, she'll kick it towards the outer half back flank, searching for Pound, she'll run onto it, has time, Dilly Lucas Rod puts her under pressure, got a kick towards centre wing, outer side, bouncing ball, Davey and Mireille Clifford see the ball over the boundary line and out of play, he had a very appealing for out on the full, now the umpires are Coming in to have a conversation,
9: and we will throw it in. Centre wing, out side, Muggers by five points. As we wait for the ball to be spinning back in the play, Stevenson versus Colwell in this contest, and it's a short throw in. Colwell managed to get to it first. Ashmore wanted to pick it up. Boundary line beat her over the boundary line and out of bounds in front of the Muggers
15: coaching bench. We're back to one-on-one all around the ground, so the, the loose player in defence has been gotten rid of after about four and a half minutes.
9: As we wait for it to come... Come back into play again, Colwell versus Stevenson in the contest, high ball back in, Colwell brought the ball to ground, trying to get a hurry kick away as Kerrick got smothered but picked up by Ashmore who goes with a long hand pass over the top to Blackburn, draw the play and went for another hand pass to Eva, Eva dancing around at centre half forward, tries to work the football wide, didn't work out, players getting back there for the Sharks, as Penicula Reed lays on the bump, hurry kick back into Tilly Lucas Rod who takes the mark, she's on half back flank, out of side, wants to go up the line, hesitant, has players calling for it in the opposite wing, but decides to go safety and up the line. Over the head there of Garner, who now has to go on the contest. Wins the football back. Delivers inside towards Catterall. It's the one-on-one. Catterall now taking on her opponent. Can she beat her out? She gives a little nudge in the back. Goes in once more, Catterall. The umpire says this time it's a push, and it's a free kick going the way of the Muggers
10: and Lucille Walsh has it, back pocket out of side will go down along that boundary line, risky kick, Ashmore came in with the fist brought the ball to ground and the umpire says it goes over the boundary line and out of play. Half forward flank out of side for the Sharks, they're one behind Melbourne Uni, one straight six. Umpire to throw it back into play, early stages first term. Stevenson got a fingertip to it Lachlan got brought to ground by Benici And that's where the ball stays. We'll get another ball up. Attacking
15: side of the outer wing for the Sharks. Alison Brown at centre-half forward has got a huge mismatch, but the Sharks aren't able to use her just yet. Free kick will
10: go the way of St Kilda. Benara will take it. Got the handball to Mia Ray Clifford. High ball inside attacking. 50. Good contest there by Kristen Hay. The ball seen over the boundary line and out of play. We'll throw it in. 40 out from goal on the outer side for the Sharks. They're one behind. Melbourne Uni, one straight six.
9: Plenty of uh, celebrities here at the ground. Saw Tiffany Cherry earlier. Out of all things eating Stim Dim Sims. You can't say that every day. As the ball comes back in, Garner tries to pick up the football. Alicia Eva, Garner goes once more. A little kick away by Wilson, managed to get it across to Eva. Eva on the right boot, now going up the wing position, wanted Blackburn to run onto it. The Sharks' defence trying to hold up, but only as far as Tappner now receiving it and puts it onto the hands of Spark. Spark is now on forward of centre wing. set on the right boot, looking in the Anderson direction, got knocked away from her. Just trying to uh, keep the football alive there. Cole kept it in front of herself, while under pressure from Anderson, Eva arrives and we call for the ball up. Uh, As the umpire blows the whistle, as I said, uh, Tiff Charity, of course, host of uh, Women's Footy, appeared on one of our early episodes of the Girls Play Footy podcast this year, and also another celebrity, I saw Belinda Bowie just hanging around earlier, 300-gamer for the Sharks, as the ball is uh, thrown back into play. Now taken away here, by St Kilda on the right boot, heading in the direction of Catarol. is going to try and park herself underneath it, brought the ball to ground, in fact was Chapman, Chapman kept the ball in front of herself, only for Pound to pick it up, Pound went to ground, got the little hand pass away, trying to very under pressure and the ball goes over the boundary line and out of bounds just near our broadcast position. That was very interesting by
15: Pound there. She chose to go to ground. Very, very dangerous when you've got to play a player right on your hammer. we
10: we'll get a boundary throw in. Attacking side of the broadcast wing for the Sharks. The tap went the way there of Benara. Comes straight to the deck. And we should get a ball up here. We will. Attacking side of the broadcast wing. The Sharks one behind Melbourne Uni. One straight six, back under wave. Banara got the tap down. Barry scooped it to Brianna Davy, who sends it inside, attacking 50 for the Sharks. Went past everyone. Lucille Walsh for the Muggers getting back under pressure now from Garner, arriving on the spot for support. His Hunt ball on the deck in dispute. Forward pocket out of aside for the Sharks. The handball. Goes the way of the Muggers, and Cat Phillips returning to the Muggers' side. Takes it on the half-volley, sent it towards centre wing. Coming late, Mia Ray Clifford crunched her opponent. Ball ended up in the hands of Kerrick, who was tackled immediately. And the umpires pinged her for holding the footy. Free kick to go the way of the Sharks. Attacking side of the outer wing
15: here at the Peanut Farm Reserve. That spoil by Mia Ray Clifford was bone crunching.
9: As they pop the kick up high, and it worked out okay. Taking the mark there by the look of it. Just... That's the Lucas squad that's in the distance. It got on the right boot and it went long. Garner at the back. One by couldn't bring it in. Pound at the front. Taken away there by Berry who kicked it along the ground. Now picked up by Stevenson. He gives off the little hand pass. Going up the line with a kick. Got to be good with it. Trying to find a teammate and just went through her hands at Phillips. Close towards the boundary line. Pack is going to converge. And the umpire has no choice but to call for a ball up. 65 metres out for the Sharks goal. If you've just joined us, Melbourne Uni one straight six and killed a one behind umpire to put the ball
10: back into the air 60 out from goal for the Sharks Benici couldn't get clean possession Deanna Berry just waxed boot to ball in Hope, close to the boundary line one bounce and out of play in front of the Muggers interchange bench which is on the centre wing outer side of the Peanut Farm Reserve, the sun just disappearing behind a bit of cloud here as it's thrown back into play Stevenson the tap to the deck through the legs there of Berry Madison Gay getting a kick away for the Sharks. Bobbling around in the middle of the Peanut Farm Reserve. Sharks have the numbers. Just need to be clean with the footy. They get a kick. It was a wobbly one. Towards the half forward flank broadcast side. Overrunning it was Paterno. Comes to the deck. Eva in all sorts of trouble. Got boot to ball. Gardner there for the Sharks. They go inside attacking 50 with the kick. And it dribbles over the boundary line and out of play.
15: We'll throw it in. Kate they there getting the inside 50. She's been very good on the half forward flank but just not been able to find those targets in the forward line just yet for St Kilda. Wait for the ball to be thrown back the play in front of a great crowd here at the Peanut Farm Reserve.
9: Back in, Stevenson went up for it, touched by Blackburn, then getting onto it, Benici, she's all wrapped up and the umpire will call for a ball up. 45 metres out for the Sharks goal, attacking towards the Barclay Street end of the ground. What well, used to be almost the dirty Dalton's bar, which has now been demolished. As the ball is uh, thrown back into play, Benici gets it, gets on the left boot, tries to set it a kick. Good punch from behind there by the Muggers, who managed to keep the ball alive. Tilly Lucas, Rob was there. Stevenson picked it up off the ground, went with a little hand pass. Now trying to intercept is Laura Bailey. Gave it off to Brianna, Davey unloaded. Davey goes for goal, it's away to the left. The crowd riding every metre of that kick, and it goes through for a minor score to see the Sharks. Two behinds, trail Melbourne Uni, one straight six. girlsplayfooty.com match of the day on RSN Carnival. Pound to bring the ball back into
10: play, and again goes straight up the corridor with the kick, and again hits up Emma Carney. That's twice they've done that from the kick-ins. Carney goes out wide, Stevenson, or. Eventually he was able to gather with composure, trying to get it back towards Carney. Gay coming through, though, for the Sharks. Gets a handball backwards to me at Ray Clifford. Fell at her shin. She goes to ground. It's all wrapped up by Eva Lachlan trying to extract the pill. Tilly Lucas Rod in there as well. Carney arrives. Got brought to ground by Madison. Gay umpire waves the arms, calling play on. And now he says, give it to me, old ball it up. Up against the boundary line, out of side.
15: Gabby Pound and Cat Phillips just sitting off this play, ready for a quick switch.
10: Sharks two behind, Melbourne Uni one straight six, as Carney goes to ground and she'll get a free kick for a high tackle.
9: So four-point lead to the Muggers here as Emma Carney gets up, also a Melbourne Stars WBBL cricketer, whose kick unfortunately let her down, straight down the throat of Brianna Davey. It was a flat kick that only went about 25 metres, and Bree Davy now with the ball will load up. Go towards the centre-half-forward position. Chapman it. oh, spread through the air, couldn't quite bring it in. Chapman now brought it to ground, well, under pressure. Pound was there as well. Ball hit the deck. Once again, stacks in the mill as Cowell went through. She couldn't extract it, almost like a rugby scrum at the moment. The umpire has no choice but the call for the
15: ball up. Amanda Walsh climbing that pack, almost taking the, uh, the chest mark, Sean Smith style.
9: <laughs> Ironically, he must have taught her. as. The ball is run up in the air. Colwell versus Stevenson. Stephen won it out, going towards the boundary line. Is Carney on a hammer as Bailey boundary line beats them all, and will have to throw in 75 metres out from the Sharks' goal, out of side of the ground. Umpire to send the ball back into play.
10: Slowly spins it back through the air. Fist there by Colwell bobbling around from the throw-in contest Carney goes to ground, we'll get a ball up Davey sitting on the bottom of the pack
15: Benici tried to sneak unattended into the St Kilda forward line there Kristen Hay not letting her get away with that
10: Stevenson wins the tap straight into the hands of Davey who was dispossessed of the footy Colwell coming through gets a grubber towards the half forward flank out of side Phillips under pressure from Gardner now Chapman arrives on the spot She so he dropped the ball umpire calls play on Garner was able to extract it got it to Gay puts it inside attacking 50 and the mark will be taken directly in front 20 metres out from goal by
15: Georgia Harris. it's A really strong one-on-one mark. She was out of position, but she was able to to push back into the defender, take the overhead mark.
10: Harris comes in, a little bit of a hop, skip and a jump. Right foot kick goes straight through the middle. The Sharks get there first here at the Peanut Farm Reserve. They're one, two, 8 A two-point margin over the top of Melbourne Uni who are one straight six. And you just get the sense that the... The Sharks are controlling play at the
15: moment, but not really impacting the scoreboard. Definitely the case. The, the game is really being played between the two forward 50 arcs at the moment. But St Kilda are the only one who are able to get those entries into forward 50. But we've seen they've just not been able to either hit someone on the lead or have someone take the contestant mark until just then.
9: Upby throws the ball up in the middle of the air and uh, there goes... Uh... O'Brien again to Blackburn who unloads a bomb, a right foot bomb towards the half forward flank. But Bree Davy read it best as always, just nudging Anderson out of the way. Bree Davy the Carlton Marquis, back flank out of sight of the ground, goes long with a kick, pound underneath it, Garner creates the pressure reads the ball best as if it's spelled off the pack, over to Tilly lucas Rod, who got dispossessed, pound went with a hand pass over the top, once again back to Blackburn Blackburn goes for a run, gets on the right boot, looking for Anderson, the kick is wide of her with Clifford on her hammer and sees the ball out of play, 45 metres out from the Muggers goal.
15: Melbourne Uni are really making hard work of it, they're not not being able to hit their targets, the ball falling just short, meaning that there's a lot of pressure on the next disposal
10: wonder if that's one of the key performance indicators. Andrew Jago was talking about efficiency going inside attacking 50. Brutton gets her hands on the footy from the throw-in contest through the hands of O'Brien in the middle. Saundry backing up for the Muggers. Just left the door open for O'Brien to come through. Handball out wide to Phillips. Phillips got the handball back in board to O'Brien. O'Brien sends the ball back inside attacking 50 for the Muggers. But getting back there was Schleicher. Defence in defence for the... Sharks. It was a wobbly kick. Will end up in the hands of Phillips. Brought immediately to ground by Gardner. The umpire says, "Give it to me. I'll ball it up."
15: Centre wing, broadcast side. The previous inside fifty for the mark is Cat Phillips showing amazing athleticism and uh, sort of some delicate pirouettes there to get the ball.
9: Ball is uh, thrown up in the middle of the ground. Edison lost out in the contest. Taken away here by the Sharks towards the half forward flank as Walsh gets underneath it. Walsh takes the mark, 65 metres out from home. She's calling for a lead. Harris was coming at her. Gardner's back back. Umpire calls the play on you, taking too long. Gets the hand pass away, gets it back with the 1-2 Walsh. Walsh now puts it up in the Garner direction, takes the mark, too tall for her opponent. And uh, she has the ball 50 metres out from goal. Decides to set it to Tilly Lucas who got cut off at the final moment, Red the ball, burst back on the bounce, Bailey Hunt under a hammer, pound lurking nearby as well. Umpire calls, dispossessed. Good tackle laid on by Walsh for the Sharks, and she'll have an opportunity, 45 metres out on a slight angle.
10: Bit surprising. The Garner didn't go for the shot there. I thought it was within her range. She's
9: trying to be unselfish. That's normally the Mo pocket. That's got a trademark on it. That's where Mo slots ah, them through. And so that's why she passed it off. <laughs> As Walsh now lines up. 45 metres out. Slight angle. Puts a hook on it though. And it's going to go towards the top of the square. Ball hit the deck players lurking around, including Liston and the umpire comes in and calls for a ball up as Tilly Lucas-Rodd was almost going to run away with it. It's going to be a quick ball up here. Eyes on who's going to win out in the contest. O'Brien is going to be in the middle there for the Muggers. Up in the air we go. Wins it down, Clatt lurking nearby. Hurry, little kick out of the pack there for the Muggers, but it's only going to go as far as Benici was underneath. It just couldn't get there at the last second. Siren sounds! And that is quarter time here at the Peanut Farm Reserve and it's the Sharks with a narrow Lead one two eight over Melbourne Uni. One straight six on special comments this afternoon. Andrew Donison.
15: St Kilda Sharks dominated the the majority of that quarter, but just weren't able to hit their targets going forward. The the Muggers, when they would get the ball, they actually themselves were under a lot of pressure and not able to, 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 to find their targets along the wing. So both teams maybe feeling a little bit of pressure from the opposition. We saw St Kilda start the game with one less in the forward line. That was... Very, very quickly abandoned. And I think that's probably for the best because since then they've been able to get the ball into the forward line and they've, they've got three or four marking options in there as well as Bonici, who's been running in and around there Gabby Pound is the only thing that is stopping St Kilda from having a a much larger lead because she's dropping back and stopping those leads coming out of the goal square. Coxie,
9: goal kick is at quarter time.
10: For the Muggers, Caitlin Ashmore with one and for the Sharks, Georgia Harris with one sees the score 1-2-8 St Kilda. Melbourne Uni, one
9: straight six. We'll be back shortly with Around the Ground Scores and the second quarter here in the Swiss Wildness VFL Women's Round 2 clash between the St Kilda Sharks and Melbourne Uni on girlsplayfooty.com and on
0: digital radio through
1: RSN Carnival. Daniel Hufford leads the Breakfast Club. The footy season so far has been a tifter's nightmare. On
0: Monday's show, Jimmy Bartel's on the throne and the Herald Sun's Glenn McFarlane on deck as we make sense at a footies roundup.
1: The Breakfast Club, starting
2: your Monday morning from 6 on RSN 927.
18: Our children are so precious and the next generation of farmers. Make a safe play area where the fence and gates are secure. With supervision, you'll reduce the chance of kids being injured or worse. Visit farmsafe.org.au I
17: usually wear white. And I prefer black. But lately,
6: we've been getting into orange.
17: When you're wearing SES orange, you know you're making a difference. And you're learning great new skills. You'd be surprised how good you'll feel in orange. The Victoria State Emergency Service is recruiting volunteers now. For a broad range of roles, visit ses.vic.gov.au or call 1300 842 737 and find out if Orange is right for you. Authorised by Victoria State Emergency Service, Melbourne. Spoken by Emery's and A. Smallwood.
2: Hi, it's Eric from Deaf Children Australia. Ready for your next lesson? With your left hand palm facing you, touch the left thumb with the right pointer finger. That's A. Now put the same pointer finger onto the left hand pointer. That's E. And for I, O and U point and place on the next three fingers. They're the vowels. How easy is that? Next time I'll teach you to sign nice things like thank you. At Deaf Children Australia, we're helping young deaf people reach their potential at school and in life. Please join us. Together we can make a difference.
1: This is Danny Green. On a night out just like this, take it from me. One punch can be deadly. Thrown in anger, without warning, With our gloves, it can kill. One punch can end their life and ruin yours. It takes grunt to throw it. It takes guts to walk away. One punch can be deadly.
8: Authorised and spoken by Danny Green Perth.
20: One of them is where I shake my head to get my hair out of my eyes. There's another one where I sort of do like a little squeaking in my throat. Tourette syndrome is a neurological disorder that affects thousands of Australians. It is characterised by involuntary movements and vocal noises called tics. We can't help it, and we're just like you in every other way. So visit tourette.org.au.
18: Children drown in portable pools every year in Australia. Others are hospitalised because of non-fatal drowning incidents. Young children can easily topple in, and drowning is silent and happens quickly. Royal Life Saving and Consumer Affairs agencies across Australia are reminding people to take important safety steps like active supervision of kids in and around portable pools. The question is, can you make it safe? For more information and simple safety tips, visit royallifesaving.com.au forward slash make it safe.
21: No matter what your age, most of us played sport when we were young. And there was always one thing that made you want to disappear into a corner or even give up your chosen sport. And that was when somebody on the sideline hurled abuse at either you or a teammate. These are the moments that make sport painful for so many kids. And the time has come to stop it. I'm Elise Perry from the Southern Star and my message is simple let kids be kids let them enjoy their sport without interference google play by the rules to find out more
15: when you get a spare moment pour a
8: coffee jump on the web, and have a go at the rsn 927 listener survey it won't take long it's your chance to tell us who you are and what you're thinking about all sorts of things from racing and sport to the way you use social media and there's a nice prize from the tab up for grabs we'd love to hear from you so get started and look for the listener survey link at rsn.net.au Live across the web. This is the girlsplayfooty.com match of the day.
9: At the Peanut Farm Reserve in St Kilda, live on RSN Carnival Digital Radio and the RSN app, we are bringing you round two of the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition, Melbourne Uni and St Kilda Sharks, and the Sharks lead by two points, one two eight two one straight six, and even though it was low scoring, Coxie, it has been a thrilling contest so far, played at breakneck speed. A
10: real arm wrestle, which is what you expect between these two sides. They've built up a great recent rivalry, It was a close game round about this time last year, round six, uh, over at, uh, what is it, Port Melbourne's Oval? What's the name of that ground? Oh, at Northport Oval. Northport. Marvellous Northport Oval. Yeah, can never think of the name of that. (laughs) Um, And then, obviously, the draw last year at Tin Alley, the Muggers 40-point victors in the prelim final. But uh, real close, tight... These are two contenders of the VFL women's competition and it's uh, good to see that neither of them have been able to break th-
15: free.
9: And Andrew, got an around-the-ground score with uh, Diamond Creek and uh, Cranbourne. Quarter
15: time, Diamond Creek 5-4-34, Cranbourne 2 straight 12.
9: So uh, Cranbourne putting up a bit of a fight there but a comfortable lead early to Diamond Creek as we wait for the uh, great crowd here to leave the ground. I'm still saying about, maybe about 400 when you include people on the other side of the ground. It's been a... F- great couple of weeks for women's footy when we've had about 400 at each match. Well, we're just about ready to get underway for the second term here on girlsplayfooty.com and RSN Carnival to get us underway. Is Matthew Cox. Thank you
10: very much, Peter Holden. The umpire still waiting for people to leave the ground. Finally does... And we're underway for the second term. O'Brien goes up in the contest, won the ball to ground. Tilly Lucas-Rod chasing after it. Tapner got there first for the Muggers. A kick out wide will hit up Ashmore. Half forward flank broadcast side. She sends the ball inside attacking 50 high ball. Was tough there getting back for the Muggers. That goes to deck and
15: the ball will be wrapped up. Really good spoil there by Vignaro. That long ball coming in, she was able to hold her opponent out and bring the ball to ground. Throws the ball up in the air. Away
9: we go again. Winning it out the back, there is Davey. Hand-passed in front of herself, Kevin Bartlett-style, and the ball went over the boundary line and out of bounds. They wanted to call for deliberate, and the umpire not buying into it. So two points to the difference. Sharks lead early stages here in the second term as we wait for the uh, ball to be thrown back into play. High in the air it goes. Spark is going to be doing the ruck work. Beaten out on that occasion. Slicer's managed to tap it forward. Taken away by Davies. Slander on the boot, but intercepted by Ashmore. Ashmore is 55 metres out from goal. The Brisbane Lions priority signing decides to go short to Tapner. Oh, she had it, then dropped it cold. Benichi created the pressure. Going in there is Kate Horse. She had to get rid of the hand pass, but it was stolen by Blackburn. Kicks it forward. Oh, bad luck there for Mia Ray Clifford. She went to defend it. It stayed at her feet, hit her shins, and ricocheted off over the boundary line and out of bounds. So free
10: kick will go the way of Tapner. Forward pocket broadcast side for the Muggers. She's hard up against the fence, looks inboard, nothing on offer. Decides she's going to go back and have a shot. Not a bad-looking drop punt off the boot, goes across the face, stays in play, Berry up against the boundary line in the opposite pocket, gave the handball off there to Phillips, got the handball backwards to Eva, wobbly ball forward, didn't go the distance to Berry, and she's seen over the boundary line and out of play. will throw it in. No score added to the quarter time.
15: Lauren Spark punching herself after she dropped the mark from the uh, the shot for goal earlier. Ball thrown back into
10: play. Banara got the tap down and then on top of it Bailey the ball will be wrapped up and the umpire says give it to me I'll ball it up. Melbourne Uni one straight six St
9: Kilda one two eight we've gone two minutes in the second term. Glad you got Got the pronunciation of that right. <laughs> bonara, Bonara, I'll make sure I get it right throughout the day. So the ball is thrown back in, taken away by Carney, who got dispossessed immediately. Going in there was Laura Bailey. She got the ball out to uh, Benici. Benici goes up towards the halfback flank, bounced off the chest of her teammate there and stolen away by Tapna. And uh, a no advantage paid. The umpire will call holding the ball, but it has to go back for the Muggers. And uh, just by looking from a distance, it might be... Well, is that hay that's got the football... It's half forward flank. Looking to go inside 50. Lead on from Phillips. Ignored. She's gonna back herself in here with a long kick. It's not bad. It's going towards the top of the square. Berry decided not to jump. So Davy went up unopposed and took an easy mark for the sharks on the last line of defense. And now it decides to go on the right boots, going to stay wide, looking for Garner, who outmarks Anderson. Garner with the pill. She's half-back flanked. Now goes up the line with her kick. Goes towards the one-on-one. Trying to keep it in front of herself as Paterno. She went to ground while under pressure. Picked up by Ashwell. Fight off a little hand pass. Trying to find out there for uh, Eva. She went to ground. Knees in there if you don't mind from O'Brien. Collecting Colwell on the way through. Stacks in the mill. Tackle laid on by Kerrick, And we will call for a ball up between sitter and centre half forward for the Muggers. They're attacking towards the Parkley Street end. Colwell and O'Brien go at it. O'Brien got the tap down,
10: went past Blackburn. Davey coming through, tried to f- flick the handball out. Tilly Lucas-Rod applies the tackle. The umpire says, give it to me, I will ball it up. Either getting off the bottom of the pack.
15: Madeline Carrick laid a huge tackle on Brianna Davey just there. Tilly
10: Lucas-Rod roving it. Her kick smothered by Blackburn. Gave the handball across to Hunt, who sends the ball towards the half-forward flank on the outer side. Mark will be taken out there by Spark. Wheels around quickly and goes inside attacking. 50 Muggers with the footy. Benici puts the clamp on. The umpire is going to say, give it to me. I thought he was going to shape there for holding the footy. But he's going to ball it up instead. 45 out from goal directly in front for the Muggers. The tap goes straight to the deck from Spark. And it's all wrapped up. Still inside attacking 50 for the Muggers.
9: As we wait for play to be cleared. And then the umpire will throw it up and away we go again. Spark wins it. And the umpire says there's a centre, the a ruck infringement for Shepherding. And pace the advantage of Benici who ran away with it quickly. Goes in the wall's direction who nudged her opponent under the ball beautifully. Then got the little hand pass away. One bounce to Garner. Garner now on the right boot. Goes to one-on-one at the top of the goal square. Just went through hands. Pressure being put on there by Georgia Harris. Goes for a flying shot and goal. It's away to the right being tackled at the moment by clatter. She kicked it, and that's a minor score. It moves the Sharks to three9 Melbourne Uni, one straight six.
15: Smart play by Brittany Benici, not waiting for the umpire to, to tell them they had the free kick. She was just off. Oh,
10: Hunt's kick in was ordinary. Op- opens an opportunity here for the Sharks. They go to ground, though. The umpire says, give it to me, I'll ball it up. And it was cut off from the contest there by Liston the umpire puts the ball back into the air tap to the deck O'Brien coming through wrapped up by Walsh and the umpire says give it to me I'll ball it up just as the ball dribbled out the back of the pack we're about 40 metres out from goal for the Sharks kicking towards the Park end in this second term kick out of the contest there by Eva straight down the throat of Colwell At the top of the 50 arc for the Sharks. Sends it long towards the top of the goal square. Comes off hands. It's on the deck. The Muggers' defence there. Carney receives a handball. Takes a bounce. Defensive 50 for the Muggers. Will kick the ball out wide. Coming there. Spark. She's tackled immediately. Deanna Berry there in support. Flick the handball out to Eva. Close to the boundary line. Brutton put her under all sorts of pressure. The kick around her body towards... The half forward flank on the outer side, Carney arrives for support, a chip kick in boards, not going to go the distance, Colewell under pressure, tried to flick the handball out of the contest, Tapner coming through, gave the handball off there to Blackburn, Blackburn has Ashmore over the top with a vacant goal square in front of her, Ashmore puts it
15: through for her second. Very clever play there by Ali Blackburn. She got the ball and she was running towards goal. Could have had a flying shot, but she saw Cat Phillips on her right. She saw Caitlin Ashmore in front of her and just chipped the ball over the the lone defender just out of the outstretched hands. And when you've got Ashmore and Phillips running towards an open goal, I think you can put the glasses down.
10: Seven gone, second term. Melbourne
9: Uni, two straight, 12 St Kilda, 139 here on girlsplayfooty.com's Match of the Day through RSN Carnival Digital Radio. And you can download the RSN app to your phone or tablet. Just look on the App Store and then click on Carnival to listen to our broadcast. Cast live. This is brought down by Colewell. Taken away by Bruton. Bruton now put it out towards the wing position. Taken away by Bailey Hunt, who got ran down, but got it across to Ashmore, who sold the candy lovely. And Ashmore went on the right boot, went inside 50. Gun tries to hold it up. Then Gun's got to turn her opponent inside out. Went with a hand pass back to Spark. Spark now went back in board with a hand pass. Luke McLeod who had to try and get rid of it. Now trying to find Ashmore coming through. There was Bruton. She got knocked over. Mugger sent it back inside 50. One two by the cherry couldn't hold on to it. There goes Phillips running through. Got a hand pass away while being tackled. Pressure on, 30 metres out from goal. Davey is there, being held by Blackburn. Davey got the hand pass away. Got it to Liston, who was under pressure. Now trying to pick it up and got spun around was Madison Gay. She coughed it up. Umpire said throw. Play on advantage to Phillips. Phillips at centre-half forward. Now manages to get it across to a teammate and Christian Hay. Hay went inside. 50. Wobbly grubber of a kick. Could be a chance here for the uh, Sharks to get rid of it. Colwell had it and then dropped it like a hot spud. Wilson puts the pressure on. Colwell puts it in towards the middle of the ground. Going in there is Bailey Hunt. She coughed one in the back if you don't mind from Georgia Harris play on advantage paid, grubber of a kick inside 50, looking for Tapna, got knocked out of her hands Blackburn went in once more while under pressure Banaras there as well, picked off by Bailey Barley, looks for the hurried kick and she manages to find the safety of the boundary line half back flank out of side
15: The intensity has stepped up several notches here I think the Muggers have been told to play on at every opportunity, they're just pounding the ball into their forward line
10: Nine gone, second term here at the Peanut Farm Reserve. It's thrown back into play. Colwell won the tap over the top of Stevenson. Lachlan chasing after it. Ball over the boundary line and out of play. We'll throw it in.
15: We've moved about five metres away from the Muggers' goal. Pretty cool to read just in the the hole at centre-half forward there, just guarding space. Between centre wing and half forward. Ball thrown in. Hunt
10: coming through, was unable to get it, we've now moved to the centre wing, outer side 2 straight 12 Melbourne Uni, St Kilda, 139. approaching the halfway point of the second term it's thrown back into play Colwell again got the tap over the back, Chapman coming through just bumped her opponent off the footy shrugs the tackle, tried to fire the handball back into board to Mia Ray Clifford Carney cut the handball off and a little topo kick, Davey under pressure, tackles Ashmore, Lachland, kicks the ball, but it's going to go out of bounds on the full free kick to go the way of the Sharks on the half-back flank out side. And to take the kick, it looks like that's Liston out there. So Liston searches for options, decides to chip the board, inboard to Ray Clifford, back pocket, out of side for the Sharks. They trail by three points here at the Peanut Farm Reserve. Clifford's kick, close to the boundary line. Berry came in with the fist and sees the ball out of play. We'll throw it in, about 60 out from goal on the outer side. The Muggers, two straight 12, St Kilda, 139. Here on Girl... girlsplayfooty.com, match of the day on RSN Carnival Digital.
9: As the umpire says, there's one in the back advantage being paid to the Sharks. Taken away by Bree Deby, who goes long in the Walsh direction. Slipped over at the crucial moment, trying to take the mark. Nearly legged her opponent on the way through. Umpire didn't see it. Pound goes for the hand pass to Carney, who had to spin around in a circle. Carney now comes back in board to Pound. Back to Carney. Carney's kick, though, is smothered beautifully by Madison Gay. Ball hit the deck in dispute. Centre of the ground. Trying to put the pressure on his... Lachlan gave a little toe poke roll on the ground Wilson heading in the Tapner direction tries to pick it up under pressure from Schleicher who managed to knock it forward but only as far as Brooke Lachlan who went to ground ball being fought in there by Brutton can't bring it out, Lucas Rod in there as well down goes Tana goes Tapner as she got her hand pass away now they've got it to Bree Davey, got it back to Mia Ray Clifford, Clifford on the right boot comes back in board with a kick it's long but it's 3 on 1, numbers favouring the Muggers Pound get it in front of herself, Garner did well to h- held it up, Garner did very well Then she got legged. Umpire didn't see it. There goes Anderson. Hits the ground. And the umpire calls for a ball up right in front of our commentary position. Three-point lead to Melbourne Uni over St Kilda. On special comments, Andrew Donison.
15: Jazzy Garner winning a three-on-one contest there to force the ball up. Really impressive. Colwell fires up her own tap. Fed the
10: handball out to Brutton. Has Chapman on centre wing broadcast side. She takes the mark. In front of the Sharks interchange bench. She goes in, comes out. Goes in, giving the hurry up. Now waxing on. On the boot, high ball towards the half forward flank, Gay coming through, couldn't complete the mark, decides to shrug off the tackle, got the handball away but not in time according to the umpire, the Muggers to get the free kick in defence, at least Hay will take it. Half-back flank, broadcast side, the kick inboard, Risky, Stevenson at centre half-back, looping handball over the top, finds Hunt. Hunt looks for Berry, centre wing, broadcast side, under pressure from Davey, got the kick around her body to Cat Phillips, takes the mark right in front of our broadcast position here at the Peanut Farm Reserve. Phillips looks for options, her kick smothered, ball over the boundary line and out of play. We'll throw it in right in front of Peter Holden here
9: on girlsplayfooty.com's match of the day on RSN Carnival Digital. Thank you very much Matthew Cox. Two straight, 12 to one, three nine. Muggers leading the St Kilda Sharks here at the moment. Right in front of us, the bounty umpire arches the back and throws the ball back into play. And it looks like it's going to be cattle for position. Does the little tap down. Picked off there by Benici. Benici trying to juggle it. Gets the little hand pass away while under pressure. Her teammate Slicer just kicked it straight into her opponent. Picked off here lovely by Berry. It was almost like rugby trying to find touch. He just went 20 metres up the line. One bouncing over in front of Blackburn being warned by Mia Ray Clifford. Are
15: you suggesting, Peter, that that was a well-disguised attempt at uh, keeping the ball in and really wanting to put it out?
9: Absolutely. <laughs> 50 metres out from goal. We'll wait for the ball to come back in. Muggers by three points over the Sharks. Heave back into play. We go once more. Stevenson from behind. Wins the tap on this occasion versus Colwell. Benici burrowed under like a ferret. And unfortunately got caught straight away in the trap by Lachlan. Ball hit the ground. Call for a ball up. 45 out from goal.
15: It's one-on-ones all over the ground, except Bailey Hunt has managed to find herself out the back of this pack, just waiting for the quick kick.
10: Two straight 12, the Muggers. St Kilda, 1-3-9. Ball back underway. Gay tries to burrow away through. Got the handball there to Blackburn. Blackburn flicked it across. High ball inside attacking 50 there from Wilson. Ball close to the boundary line in, in the forward pocket broadcast side. The umpire says a free kick. It was too high.
9: Spark. And it will go the way of Spark. The Wimbledon Hawks, Lauren Spark. They will want it to be known as that.
15: Well, the Wimbledon <laughs> Hawks, Lauren Spark, who just paddled <laughs> the ball between her legs just then to keep it alive.
10: And a little bit of a banana
15: action puts it through for the Muggers.
10: Three straight 18 they move to. St Kilda stuck on 139. We've got five and a half minutes left in the second term here on girlsplayfooty.com's Match of the Day on RSN Carnival Digital, Andrew Doninson. Brittany Benici
15: just going off with what looks like either a dislocated left thumb or possibly a wrist issue. She is not happy at all. She's taken the uh, the, the helmet off and been helped off. The, the trainers are having a look, so we'll keep an eye on that, but she's in a world of pain at the moment.
9: As we wait for the ball to be thrown up, back in the middle of the ground, O'Brien wins the tap down, taken away though by Tilly Lucas Rod, put it straight on the right boot, kicking for rain, got past Bailey Hunt, managing to find the hands there of uh, Walsh who got it to Garner, Garner went inside 50 with a high kick, is the mark being paid? No it isn't, ball hit the ground, going in there is Paterno, can't get the football out, watching on there was Cardi. taken away out of the pack by Hunt, gave a hand pass working out sideways, didn't hit a teammate in Kerrick who just body slams, suplex style, someone into the ground and the umpire calls for a ball up. <laughs> Hashtag Suplex City.
15: <laughs> Love a good WWE reference.
10: <laughs> Back underway, O'Brien tapped it to the deck. Kerrick coming through again. Got claimed, and the umpire says, give it to me, old ball it up. Three straight 18, the Muggers. 1-3-9, the Sharks. Four and a half left on the clock in the second term. O'Brien got the tap to the deck. Kerrick again gets claimed. Was able to feed the handball out of the contest. It's on the deck. Chapman fighting hard Try to get the handball out. Tapner hovering. Can't collect it. Mireille Clifford now applies the clamp but it was too high according to the umpire and O'Brien will take the free kick. Got the handball to Carney. Carney had to run 180 degrees and eventually gets the ball across to Eva, halfback
9: flank out of side for the Muggers. Eva with the football, looks further afield with her kick, heading in the Blackburn direction, got knocked out of one. her hands, going out to pick it up there is Eva, who now, pardon is Kerrick, who swings around on the right, goes long with a kick, looking for rain, couldn't find anyone except Penny Kulerud, who took an easy mark, and she now just decides to kill a bit of time on the clock, and then gets on the right boot, hugging close towards the boundary line, one bouncing over, seen over by Kerrick, right in front of Andrew Jago, and the coaching bench for the Muggers. Caitlin
10: Ashmore waiting to come back on the ground on that outer side. It'll be thrown back into play. Panara and O'Brien. O'Brien got the tap down. Carney chasing after it. Trying to feed the handball backwards. Got claimed and she's in a bit of strife here, M. Carney. She'll get the free kick. I think she might have got a high knock.
15: She's taking her time to... Couple Collect of, her thoughts. She looks all right.
10: A couple of deep breaths there from M. Carney. High ball towards the centre wing on the outer side. It's a bouncing ball. Kildare got there, but she steps over the boundary line and out of play. We'll throw it in. Attacking side of the outer wing, favouring the Muggers.
9: They're three straight, 18. St Kilda, 139. a half left in the second turn. As it's arched back into play, Banari goes up against O'Brien, O'Brien won it down now taking away blackbird who went for a run and went long inside, 50 of the kick looking for Lawrence Park, 2 on 1 oh she gets the football back, lovely, gets it across to Sean Wilson, oh Caldwell at the last second, put the hand in there, then dropped the football in front of herself and then just gave a wobbly old kick, had just seen it for safety at the boundary line, and out of bounds, and the umpire has paid it, is deliberate well, play on, Berry steps around and kicks the goal well, what could you say about that, uh, Andrew Donison? They weren't
15: paying it out on the full, were they, I Peter? Paid. Deliberate. Deliberate out of bounds. That is a little bit tough there on the St Kilda Sharks. The, the Muggers re- worked that ball into their forward line brilliantly. Quick mark, quick handball, and then an, an intercept by St Kilda. But then all of a sudden, the ball somehow found its way over the boundary line. It was certainly wasn't uh, deliberate from uh, our yeah, perspective. Th-
9: the only reason... I- ended up over there is because Colwell had it then accidentally dropped it and just swung her leg at it just trying to move it forward and it went the opposite direction she wanted it to go it didn't clearly go on the full so he's paid deliberate.
10: We're igniting the deliberate out of bounds rule here in the Swiss Wellness VFL women's competition Chapman will get a free kick for a high tackle in the middle. They need to get a goal before half time. Haven't got much time to do so. The ball sent out in the direction there of Brown couldn't take the mark. Shark still with possession of the footy. Bailey sends the ball back inboard to Chapman, a scrubber kick towards half forward, Or oh, took it, high ball going to land near, Harris came late, ball comes to ground, in fact that wasn't Harris, that was Catterall, it's on the deck in dispute, Muggers under pressure see the ball over the boundary line and out of play, we'll throw it in forward pocket, out of sight with a minute left on the clock In the second term, the muggers up four straight 24. St Kilda 139.
9: And back into play we go. One out by Spark. He's gone to the rack. Ashmore was waiting for it, taken away by Garner, who fed off the hand pass. It was too much of a hot potato. Brie Davy comes through, but was warmed like a glove by uh, Gab Pound. Garner goes in one more time. Spark gets a hurry kick away. No 15 is was taken by Gardner, and he, she kicks the football, and that one just goes the 15, according to the umpire, the Gardner. And as well, there was abuse, and the umpire is going to march at 15, uh, 50, 25 meters. Pardon me, Anderson, giving a little bit of lip, and the umpire said, "I heard that." And that is an absolute gift for the Sharks. Garner, no problems. Bang, straight over the goal. Umpire's hat. That is a goal. 2-3-15 St Kilda Sharks. Melbourne Uni 4 straight 24 here in the Swiss VFL women's match.
15: Very good mark there by Garner, but I think Jess Anderson might have questioned as the siren goes to to signify halftime. I think Jess Anderson questioned the umpire's mathematic ability and counting to 15, I don't think that she thought it was 15 metres, told the umpire what she thought, and uh, the umpire said, that's all right, we'll put you on the goal line and we'll let Jazzy Garner just kick the easiest of goals.
9: Well, you would have suggested that even with the mark and the position that she was in, she was probably odds-on to kick the goal from there, but Andrew Jago would probably wanting to go up to Jess Anderson and let her know that geez, you know, we're a few seconds away there from keeping the Sharks' goalless from the quarter and coming off all feeling very good. Now that goal has just left the door back open for the Sharks to come back into the game because the one thing you don't want against St Kilda at this ground is them to be within two or three goals, particularly at three-quarter time when we get there because, you know, when the home crowd gets behind them on the home deck, they
15: come home with a wet sail. And what we've seen in this game so far seems to be that the Barclays Street end might be the better attacking end of the ground. St Kilda had the better of the play in the first quarter. The Muggers had the better of the play in the second quarter. Both teams are trying to use the outer wing. Rather than they're not coming to the grandstand side, they're certainly not working through the middle. It's almost a case of, uh, I guess, trying to reduce the margin of error or, or reduce... The impact of any error that they may make, kick around the boundary, creep around the boundary before they then bring it back in to their forwards. And we were talking before the the game about that's how St Kilda were playing last week. They were kicking it in so from the flanks into their forward line, and it wasn't necessarily working for them. I wonder if they'll have a, a rethink of that strategy, Matt.
10: Yeah, going to be interesting to see how this third term unfolds because they just they haven't been able to get going, St Kilda, and they were lucky to get that goal in the end. Uh, Margin sits at nine points at half time, four straight 24, Melbourne Uni, St Kilda 2 3 15. The goal kickers at half time Ashmore with two, Deanna Berry with one, and Lawrence Spark with one. And two single goal kickers for
9: the Sharks, Georgia Harris and Jasmine Garner, with that light goal on the siren. As we speak, the uh, St Kilda Shark players running by us, coming off the ground, doing the right thing, running around the Oz kicker. If there's anything that I'll, I'll, I'll get the men for, sometimes during halftime at the AFL when they come back on the ground, they'll run right through the Oz kickers game. It's like, come on, do the right thing, run around the Oz kickers. <laughs>
10: We're just trying to get into the action a bit, maybe. Just
15: get their hands yeah,
9: yeah, the you, you could sledge one of them to say, oh, you're finally going to get a kick, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
15: We're getting a slight inside into the psyche of Peter Holden here. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you very
9: much. But as, as we see before us at the moment, like we said, they took the photo earlier, great to see that the St Kilda City Oz kickers are out there, and I think East Brighton, I think I see when I see the Red with the V are having their little uh, game, and they've done the right thing. They haven't put them right in the middle of the ground away from all the action. They've put the small little field right against the uh, boundary line where all the crowd can watch. Yeah, right in front of our broadcast position, so I spe-
10: expect a bit of calling from you at uh, half-time here, Pete. Get,
9: get me the team I'll sheet.
10: Mind you... Uh given what I heard through our effects mic during that second term, I reckon there's a few young callers out
9: there. <laughs> They'll probably do a better job than us. <laughs> I'm worried I'm worried that my gig might be up on the line. <laughs> and as we speak as well, that uh, we've seen uh, a number of people having a look at what's going on today. Anthony DeJong, as we know, one of the Melbourne recruiters, as always because he lives down nearby in South Melbourne, is uh, uh, watching what's going on here today. I've seen Damien Keeping, the Carlton coach walking around. Collingwood marquee, Emma King just went on by. I saw Melbourne footballer Catherine Smith as well taking. Taking a look. So the great thing about this competition is the more professional it gets is that you see the players from the other clubs more than in previous years going to other games and just having a little squiz and having a little look about what's going on.
10: Yeah, just just uh, keeping abreast of all the information, finding out who's doing what and... Trying to get a bit of inside knowledge when they play each other later
15: in the year. And the one thing they would have noticed in uh, that quarter in particular was that both teams were starting with four in the forward line and then their two half-forward flankers were pushing up almost to the wing. So we had the situation where there were basically three players from each side on each wing leaving the forward line open but providing a lot more runners at the contest. And, And we did see that. We saw that there was a huge number of people at the ball, but the full forward and full back for the uh, the traditionalists amongst us were in the respective goal squares just waiting for that opportunity to take that, that lead and mark as we've seen a wonderful cartwheel just been <laughs> undertaken as the balls bounced over the girl that's done the cartwheel through for a goal a couple of now, cartwheel celebrations here the East Brighton Vampires one goal straight
9: fantastic just, uh, <laughs> you're supposed to tell you're supposed to do the cartwheel after the goal goes through <laughs> well,
15: i got to say there are many cartwheels going on now
9: it's the in thing to do St yeah. Kilda City
15: are a little bit despondent, they've hit the post just the one point so far
9: East Brighton Vampires, oh, it's Great to see the Oz Kickers here before us. By the way, we've got some around the ground scores from uh, Plenty Park. Uh, Diamond Creek 8 5 53, Lee Cranburn 2 1 13. That is at uh, quarter time as a run right in front of us. Look at that. One bounce. No, not going to give it off. Going for home. Two bounces. <laughs> Have a kick.
15: You've gone all the way. Have a kick. That is ec- <laughs> three bounces. Excellent defense oh, there by the Oz- of Vampires. The
9: Oz Kickers before us. Absolutely fantastic. And we should mention coming up at 3 o'clock today uh, Box Hill taking on the VU Western Spurs that game being played at Box Hill City Oval. We'll take an opportunity to take a break here on girlsplayfooty.com's Match of the Day via RSN Carnival Digital Radio where the St Kilda Sharks 2315 Trail Melbourne Uni 4 Straight 24.
0: You're listening to Carnival on digital radio, live streaming around the world and on the RSN smartphone app. See the listening guide at rsn.net.au
20: one of them is where I shake my head to get my hair out of my eyes. There's another one where I sort of do like a little squeaking in my throat. Tourette's syndrome is a neurological disorder that affects thousands of Australians. It is characterised by involuntary movements and vocal noises called tics. We can't help it and we're just like you in every other way. So visit tourette.org.au
2: Hi, it's Eric from Deaf Children Australia. Ready for your next lesson? With your left hand palm facing you, touch the left thumb with the right pointer finger. That's A. Now put the same pointer finger onto the left hand pointer. That's E. And for I, O and U, point and place on the next three fingers. They're the vowels. How easy is that? Next time I'll teach you to sign nice things like thank you. At Deaf Children Australia, we're helping young deaf people reach their potential at school and in life. Please join us. Together we can make a difference.
3: The symptoms of ovarian cancer sound like part of every woman's life abdominal bloating, abdominal or back pain, appetite loss, changes in toilet habits, unexplained weight gain or loss, indigestion or heartburn, and fatigue. But if these symptoms are unusual for you and they persist, please see your doctor. For more information, visit the Ovarian Cancer Program website at nbocc.org.au.
13: I'm Jess. And I'm Lisa from the The Veronica's for Rad. Rad. Recording artists, actors, and athletes against drink driving. What does it mean to be a designated driver? It means you're the friend who's agreed not to drink, not the person who's had the least to drink. It's cool to do, and it shows you care about your friends. If you screw up just once, then your life changes forever. Face it, their lives are in your hands. So why don't you and your friends take it in turns to be the designated driver when you go out? You'll
6: make the road safer for all of us. It's enemies winning gold. I'm Anna Mears. Winning gold at the Olympics was an incredible feeling, and having my biggest rival, who I'd just beaten, ride up next to me and lift my hand in victory topped off an amazing moment. We'd had our fair share of clashes over the years, but in the end, we both respected each other, and that's what really counts in sport. Be gracious in victory and in defeat. To keep your sport inclusive, safe and fair, go to playbytherules.net.au.
1: Hi, we're the Wiggles. Did you know that Vinnie's raises funds for their good works by selling really good stuff in their Vinnie's shops? But the shops don't run themselves. That's right, they need volunteers to help.
0: Can you spare a few hours each week? All you need is enthusiasm and some spare time. And it's really good fun. Please, will you become a Vinnie's volunteer? Just visit vinnies.org.au or pop into your local Vinnie shop for more details. Yeah, and
1: while you're there, have a look round. You'll, you'll love what you find. I
17: usually wear white and I prefer black. But lately, we've been getting into orange. When you're wearing SES orange, you know you're making a difference and you're learning great new skills. You'd be surprised how good you'll feel in orange. The Victoria State Emergency Service is recruiting volunteers now for a broad range of roles. Visit ses.vic.gov.au or call one 300 842 and find out if Orange is right for you. Authorised by Victoria State Emergency Service, Melbourne. Spoken by Emery's and A. Small.
2: Racing Pulse with Michael Felgate. Darren Beatman has taken over the reins as the interim trainer for the Godolphin operation in Australia. He joined us on Friday's Racing Pulse and we asked him would he like the job full-time.
0: Well, I'm confident to take on this role right now but I'll leave that up to the people that are going to decide what the future holds down the track. But, oh, look, I'm really happy and we're just business as usual.
2: Racing Pulse, back Monday from 8.30 on RSN 927. Live across the web, this
8: is the girlsplayfooty.com match of the day. And welcome
9: back to the girlsplayfooty.com match of the day here on RSN Carnival Digital. Peter Holt Matthew Cox, Andrew Donison, bringing you St Kilda Sharks versus Melbourne University in round two of the VFL Women's Competition. And a quick reminder as well, we uh, won't be on air next week for the VFL Women's due to a general buy, but we will be back the Saturday and Sunday after. Just keep an eye on the GirlsPlayFooty. Twitter account or on RSN 927 and we'll let you know on the weekend that we're back and obviously what games that we're doing we're just having a few of those uh, finer details worked out and we should mention as well a huge commentary team that you'll hear throughout the year obviously some people want to know about more women in sports media of course we've got the likes of Christy Williams our statistician not with us today out of all things she got the super box at the MCG she says sorry guys got the corporate suite <laughs> you can understand also as well we'll have uh, Lucy Watkin the uh, media communications manager proud to play will be joining us during the year Melbourne Uni footballer in Neefelton Felton will also be joining us and uh, girlsplayfooty.com co-founder Katie Lambeski all of them to join our commentary team throughout the 2017 Swiss Wellness VFL women's competition and as we speak umpires coming back out on the ground St Kilda Sharks 2 3 15 trailing Melbourne Uni four straight 24 And as we speak they're getting the photos done right in front of us for the Oz Kickers yeah it was a
10: great entertainment good to see all the crowd stuck around there was a few cheers going around with some special passages of play um, just really good feeling here at the peanut farm reserve
15: yeah there 's a, you know, a really good crowd that 's stayed around for the, for the little kids to give them a cheer but they 're they're really enjoying the, the brilliant contest that we 've seen so far it 's tight football there is some excellent tackling and pressure being applied. There's been a couple of different tactical changes throughout the, the game, starting with four in the forward line, five in the forward line, seven in defence, having a loose player behind the ball. But what we are seeing is when the ball gets stuck inside forward 50, the, the team that has it there, they're setting up a defensive, I guess, wall across. So as soon as the ball comes out, they'll take that mark be able to pump it straight back into the forward line. And we are seeing a lot of repeat entries inside forward 50 for both sides.
9: And as we speak, uh, the girls just waiting for the St Kilda Sharks girls to run out on the ground, led out by Penny Kula-Reed. You'll hear the cheering in just a moment. You can hear them running out into the ground, which is fantastic to see that the Oz Kickers are giving the uh, guard of honour, getting behind the Sharks. What about getting behind the Sharks just quietly? The canteen line's been going all day, and it's the first time I think I've ever heard Lisa Caddo here from the Sharks Committee actually go to someone. Can you go down the street in the supermarket and get some more bag of chips? We're out of hot chips here. They've been doing a roaring trade. <laughs> <laughs> well you got in early
10: because otherwise you would have gone bananas <laughs> yeah. you, and, you and your hot chips
9: <laughs> yeah, I, I always protest when they run out of food at half time <laughs> what, what, what is this yeah.
10: <laughs> that, that is a good thing isn 't it if, if they 're running yeah. out of stuff in the canteen, then it 's all positive because there is a good crowd in there 's a good atmosphere and a good vibe and that 's what we 've had in the three games that i 've broadcast this year we 've had a really good atmosphere, which is something that we didn 't we, we had a couple of games mm. last year especially during the finals when the momentum was building mm. for um, the elite competition. But just at a standard
9: match, it is nice to have this atmosphere. And I guess that's the one thing, Andrew, that we're all worried about with AFLW, and particularly the big gap that there was between AFLW and the VFLW seasons. Were like, will this momentum peter out or will it continue on? Because more importantly... You know need supporters at grassroots level, not even if they're not sponsors, just at least coming to the ground and putting money over the bar or canteen, which helps cover the cost, because these players are each paying about five hundred bucks each to cover their insurance and membership fees for the year.
15: And I think it's probably actually come at a really good time when some people are becoming disillusioned with the AFL because of you know it's becoming more of a corporate event and it's not really a sport anymore that a lot of people are just going, oh no, you know it's not a club, it's a franchise, it's a business. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. And this community-based football are really picking up the slack there and offering people what they want. You know, get your hot chips, line up at the, at, at, at the bar after the game, talk to the players. It's, it's what people want, and we can see a couple of hundred people down here at the peanut farm.
9: Dare I say, particularly for AFL men's, and I'll, I'll put the emphasis on men's, It's but since the 80s to the 2010s, since we've moved from suburban grounds to just Eddie Hat and the MCG, clubs have now become more franchises. They're a professional franchise. They're disconnected from the uh, club spot what they say. The clubs aren't anymore. Where and mind you, it was back in the day where players would have a drink at the bar after the game. Players would be, uh, uh, spectators would be able to go back to the social rooms if you're a social member and have a drink with the players, have a yarn, get to know them, and all of a sudden, uh, there was some kind of, not quite personal connection, but you're up close and it made you want to cheer for the team. It's like here, you're up against the fence, there's no risk serve seeing you don't have to pay those ridiculous prices you're up against the fence, you're cheering the players on, you get to speak to them after the game, you get to know them a little more so you're more emotionally invested in the team and their outcomes. Well,
15: we've seen that in the WNBL actually where the players all hang around after the game and there are hordes of young girls and young boys who just go and they stand with the players, they talk to the players, they sign autographs. That's the grassroots momentum that you need and this ground is a perfect example it's just a local footy ground and a couple of hundred people here, including a few people who have just come down for the day. They're, they're clearly not here because there's football yeah. on and they've yeah. seen it and gone. They're just oh. walking the dog. Yeah, yeah, and they just go, oh well we'll, well, we'll do a couple more laps because it's a pretty, a pretty entertaining afternoon going on in front of us.
9: And a good close game as well. 2 three saint Kilda Sharks. Melbourne Uni 4 straight 24 in that other game being played at the moment at Plenty War Memorial Park. Diamond Creek 8-5-53. Cranbourne 2-1-13. Box Hill and Western Spurs about to get underway as we speak at Box Hill City Oval. To get us going for the third term, here's Matthew Cox. Thank you very much Peter Holden. As the umpire puts us
10: underway in the middle. O'Brien got the tap to the deck. Tilly Lucas Rod coming through. Can't get the handball away. Davey trying to extract it. O'Brien in there as well. And the umpire says, give it to me, I'll ball it up. Still inside the centre circle here at the Peanut Farm Reserve. Early stages, third term. Back underway. O'Brien straight down the throat of M. Carney. Wax it on the boot towards the half-forward flank, out of side. Spark put a hand out, couldn't bring it in. Ashmore tried to shrug the tackle from Gar- Gardner off. Spark ended up with the footy in her hands. Kicks it inside attacking 50. Went past Penicula Reeds on the deck. Eva tried to get the footy. Couldn't do so. Davey coming through. Got the handball backwards to Bailey. Was held without it. Umpire calls play on. Berry ends up with the footy. Right foot kick inside attacking 50 for the Muggers. Just past Anderson. Lachlan gives the ball off to Blackburn. Blackburn's kick goes through for a minor score. Their first blemish of the afternoon. Coming at the one minute mark of the third term. 4-1.25 to Muggers. 2-3.15 the Sharks. Kewler Reid looks to bring it back into play. Calls for players to come at it. And goes towards the broadcast side. Madison Gay takes the mark. Still inside defensive 50 for the Sharks. Searches for options. Decides to go down the boundary line. It's very close. Garner comes across. Takes the mark center wing broadcast side for the Sharks. spots up Colewell with no one on her she takes the mark gives the handball to brutton high kick towards the top of the 50 and a mark will be taken on the half forward flank broadcast side by allison brown brown winds up long ball inside attacking 50 and the Sharks have a mark
15: through Catterall. Fantastic stuff there by Catterall. She was able to lose her opponent. The ball was coming in high. and She was able to go left, go right, go left. And her opponent dropped off. Easy chest mark. Catterall comes in.
10: 45 degree angle. And she has sprayed that well wide. In fact, won't score. Missed opportunity for the Sharks as we... Tick over two minutes in the
9: third term, 4-1, 25, place 2-3, 15, the muggers up, Pete. Pounds dangerous kick, almost intercepted by Garner, but taken away by Kearney, who got it quickly across to Ashmore, who went long down the wing, trying to find Lauren Spark. Got spalled from behind, coming in hard as Paterno. Pardon me, it was Schleicher, and the umpire says uh, it's all locked up. We'll call for a bounce. Uh, Around about 75 metres out from the Sharks goal. They're attacking the Barclay Street into the ground. Girlsplayfooty.com, match of the day on RSN Carnival, up in the air again, one out by O'Brien, who brought it to ground, Ashmore tries to pick it up, Blackburn lurking nearby, Ashmore caught by Brutton, got it out to Kerrick, who got it to Blackburn, Blackburn went for a run on the outer wing, outer side now, moving it up the line, trying to get the Phillips to knock it on there, to find Berry, couldn't do so, and an opportunity now, Bonari had it back there, knocked out of her hands. Umpire says uh, dropping the football. And it will be the free kick going the way of the Muggers. Chance now to go long inside 50 with the kick. O'Brien was lurking around near the back but it was intercepted and a chance now to hit it onto the chest of Tilly Lucas-Rod who now has it off half-back. Tilly Lucas-Rod has got to be good with a kick. Excellent mark taken by Madison Gay. She's been impressive again this afternoon. Gay
10: got it, gets it to Colwell who took it on the half-volley. Almost received the 1-2. The handball was a little wide. O'Brien arrives on the spot. In there full support was Elise Hay. Ball's spilling around. Tilly Lucas-Rod burrows in after it. Sitting on top of her is Kerrick. We'll get a ball up. Centre wing broadcast side. Kate Hall just throwing her body
15: in without any care just then.
10: 10-point lead to the Muggers, Brutton receives a handball from Davey, kicks it along the boundary line on the broadcast side, searching for Walsh, Pound knocked it out of her hands, Garner coming through, looping handball over the top, into the hands of Brown, Brown launches on goal, does she get a kind bounce? She doesn't, Catterall at the top of the goal square, fumbled, ball on the deck, getting involved there was Harris. Going to do much with it. Ball spills free. Walsh coming through. Got dumped by Kerrick without the footy. Umpire said play on. Hunt now in defence for the Muggers. Wax boot the ball. It's going to go straight down the throat of Brianna Davey. Half forward flank broadcast side.
9: The Carlton Marquis has the football. She decides to go short with a kick. Didn't quite get the right distance. Fell short and the pressure was put on by Eva who went immediately to ground. Tried to burrow the ball out. Tunnel ball style to O'Brien. She got dumped in the process. Eva goes in once more. Umpire calls for the ball up right centre half forward
15: davy there trying to bring the ball inside a little bit sooner than they had in the first half.
9: Coltwell wins out on the contest. Brutton there, taken by debut, feeds it to Telly Lucas Rod, who unloads from 50 towards the top of the square. Ball brought to ground, if you don't mind, by Catterall, Has to try and chase up her own kick, under pressure from Pound. Going in there to try and pick it up is Gardner, had to feed the football back. Kerrick goes in, she can't extract the pill. Gardner has, sits on top of it, Pound wraps her up. We'll call for a bounce. 40 metres out from the Sharks' goal. They trail by 10 points.
10: So the umpire just waits for Ruckman to nominate, and gets it back underway. O'Brien, the tap down the throat of Carney. Her kick smothered, Blackburn chasing after. Receives the footy, gets boot to ball, and gets it in towards the middle. Brutton takes it on the half body. Got the handball across to Slyker Gets it to Tilly Lucas. Rod at centre half forward runs to fifty. Does Tilly Lucas Rod top of the goal square for the Sharks? Comes off hands, and the umpire says there's a chopping of the arms for pound. And she goes wide to Ashmore who fumbles, has time to gather, kicks it around her body, hits up Hunt, halfback flank flank on the outer side for the muggers, the kick, which well she dealt with after she got Down, rid of it, free kick. she was Lachlan has it, Centre wing out of side
9: and Lachlan goes for a run, the former ice skater gets on the left boot, goes now in the direction of Carney, and Carney pumps it in, long looking for Spark, went through her hands managed to keep her feet, Berry is there couldn't pick it up, Spark got it then, well shanked the kick, and it went towards the opposite pocket, trying to go in there and meet it was Brown, couldn't quite pick it up, first to it is Alicia Eva. ball cry the crowd, hand pass back out, Mia Ray Clifford under pressure managed to get the kick, only as far as Carney it went to ground with Button under the hammer. Now going in to try and pick it up. Is bound once more, but taken away by the Sharks. Long booming kick out towards the wing, away from Garner and Hunt. It's over the boundary line and out of bounds.
15: Once again, both teams wanting to play the outer wing here at the Peanut Farm Reserve.
10: Seven gone in the third term. Here at the Peanut Farm Reserve, the umpire throws the ball back into play. O'Brien won the tap down to Kerrick, who whacked Boots a ball and gets it to Lachlan. Half forward flank, out of side for the Muggers. They lead by ten points, the kick inboard hits Spark on the chest. And she'll go back and have a shot,
15: 45 metres out on a slight angle. That's a magnificent lead there by Lauren Spark. Left her opponent in a... And the beautiful kick in hit her right on the chest just does a bit of a stretching exercise
10: does spark as she comes in kicking towards the lunar park end in this third turn the Muggers spark unloads from 50 does it make the distance it does and it's gone through. Melbourne Uni moved to 5-1, 31. Lauren Spark now has two goals this afternoon. St Kilda, 2-3-15 here on girlsplayfooty.com's match of the day on RSN, Carnival Digital.
15: That was a huge kick there by Lauren Spark. She went back about 15 metres off the mark. She kicked it. She probably had another 7 metres that she could have gone towards the, the player on the mark. She said, no, I've got this, 48 metres, easy. Straight through the high diddle diddle.
9: And uh, Lisa Wilson from the Wimbledon Hawks will be claiming credit, saying, I taught her everything she knows. (laughs) Despite the fact that Sparky played a couple of years for the Muggs before going over to London and playing that London Women's League, which is going very well at the moment. Tap out in the middle there for O'Brien. He got it to Carney. He got it back to Pound. Pound on the right boot, looking for Ashmore in a foot race close to the boundary line with Kate Hall going with her. Picked up by Ashmore, but she stepped over the boundary line with the pill. And the up blew the whistle and said, we're going to have to have a throw in for that. Ashmore back in the long sleeves, her trademark, after being in the sleeveless for the Lions, which was very unlike her. Of course, recruited out of Ballarat, as the ball is thrown back into play. Benari was there at the back, trying to get a quick hand pass out to Davey, who went to ground. Managed to scrap for the football, went the hand pass over the top into no-man's land. Tapna was there putting on the pressure, and the umpire says all locked up, and
15: we will call for a ball up. Three St Kilda Sharks were just pointing at the at uh, line on the back of the Sharks player, the umpire said, "No,
10: nah. nine gone, third term, tap down the throat of M. McCartney, who is all wrapped up." The umpire says, "Give it to me, I'll ball it
15: up." Nicola Liston returning the favour there to Carney.
10: Attacking side of centre wing for the Sharks Walsh got claimed by Pound. Was it too high? It was. And Walsh will get the free kick. Just to go back on her mark. So Walsh. She's about 80 metres out from her goal. Pops it over the top. Looking for Garner. Ashmore wearing her like a glove. Couldn't impact the contest. Garner swings around on the right. High ball, top of the goal. Square hall. Nearly a boot in the face of Pound, and she'll get the free kick for kicking in danger. Pound kicks the ball out wide. Phillips will take the mark. Half-back flank, broadcast sign. She goes off, looks to give the handball off to Carney. We'll get the one-two here. Phillips running through the Peanut Farm Reserve. Gives it off to Berry. Gives it to Blackburn. Linking up
15: through the midfield. The Muggers, long ball from Blackburn's offline. Minus score. Beautiful movement by hand there. Kat Phillips just showing her pace. May have run one or two steps too many. 5-2-32,
10: 5 thirty two the Muggers, the Sharks
9: 2-3-15, nine and a half left in the third term. As Penicula re-brings the ball back into play and short with the kick to find Gardner who now goes long towards the back flank or just Draws the player to her, to Benici. Spark tries to go after it, but Benici gets the kick away. Oh, great hands by Bree Davey. Came at her like a rocket. Bree Davey, centre wing, broadcast side. On the right boot, long and high in the waltz direction versus Pound. Both missed the football, went past them. Catterall comes out to lead it. Being held, if you don't mind. No free kick whatsoever. Taken away there by Pound. Pound now comes back in board, looking for Ashmore. Ashmore takes the mark, runs away from Hoare. Ashmore has to turn back in board to get around Schweiker. Now kicks up the line, looking for Ali Blackburn she's going to get one for in the back against Liston very similar to the other one which didn't get paid that's all I'm saying as locals aren't happy oh not indeed as Blackburn now goes long up the line over the head of Spark but waiting for it at the back it just well fell into her lap honestly 45 meters out directly in front Deanna Berry so Barry, with an opportunity for the Muggers to extend the lead, they're currently five two thirty two. Sharks two three fifteen. Eight minutes remaining, third term and decides to go with a pass instead. Is it good? Through the air is Anderson. Couldn't hang on to it. Had it momentarily. It was Mia Ray Clifford. Got it to Brutton. Brutton now looking for Benici. Ball from behind by Cat Phillips. Phillips keeps the ball in front of herself. Gets a shot from Benici in the side. Phillips goes to the hand pass back to Sean Wilson. Wilson now tries to centre the football. Trying to find Alicia Eva, who got on the left boot. Tries to centre the football. Ball hit the ground. Spark out the back, but the Sharks kick the ball off the ground. Into the middle of the ground to only find Blackburn, who's spinning around in a circle. Goes back to Kerrick. Carrick with the ball on the left boot, goes inside 50 with a kick, Goods ball from behind by uh, Mia Rae Clifford, trying to put it in the path there, Schleicher to pick it up, Schleicher against the boundary line, under pressure if you don't mind, from Brooke Lachlan and it's over the boundary line and out of bounds, forward pocket for the Muggers.
15: The St Kilda Sharks defence is holding up just at the moment but it's inside 50 after inside 50 and you can sense that the, the dam wall might break soon.
10: 17 point lead to the Muggers, ball thrown back into play. Colwell got the tap over the top of Spark. Lachlan waiting down. Feeds the handball back to Blackburn. Blackburn unloads from 45 metres out. Gets an unkind bounce. Penny Kullarite slaps it through for a minor score. 5-3-33. plays 2-3-15. Here on girlsplayfooties.com's Match of the Day on RSN Carnival Digital.
9: Seven left in the third term. Penny Kilroy, the Collingwood AFLW recruit going short to Mia Ray Clifford, the Melbourne AFLW recruit in the back pocket, out of side. As she decides to go long and high with the kick pass back. Oh, big fly from behind. Couldn't be brought in by Sliker. Close towards the boundary line. She did go back and get the football. Trying to put it in the path of Colwell, who kicks it off the carpet, up the wing position. But waiting for it there is Gab Pound, who picked it up off the ground. And unfortunately, her kick is a Barry Crocker out of bounds on the full. In fact, hitting the coach's shed and over almost onto the street.
15: Amanda Walsh continues to, to lead and present. She's been ignored thus far this quarter.
10: Her kick goes short, finds Hoare. Attacking side of the outer wing. And she goes further afield looking for Garner. She couldn't get it because it fell at her shins. Kerrick now under pressure from Davies. Wrapped up immediately and the umpire said she had prior opportunity. Davie to get the free kick. Attacking side of the outer wing for the Sharks. Six left on the clock in the third term. The Sharks trail two three fifteen, five three thirty-three. Davy got her way around. The woman on the mark, but a kick no good. Pound takes it inside defensive 50 for the muggers, and she's off. A kick towards the broadcast wing. The mark will be taken just in front of our broadcast position by the muggers. A high up and under kick in the direction of Spark. Colwell was able to push her out in the contest
9: and takes the mark in the middle of the peanut farm reserve. We've hit the 45 might be Emma Gunn, but we are taking a bit of a guess on that as Brighton now has the ball. ...on defensive side of centre wing goes up the line, straight through the hands there of Webb, who couldn't hang on the ball. Gap Pound decides to kick it off the carpet, Colwell tries to do a goalkeeping trick, but it went through her hands, picked off by Kerrick. Kerrick goes inside, 50, oh, great body work by Berry, Berry runs on from 35 metres out, decides to square it to Tapna,
15: who takes the mark. There's excellent vision there by Berry, she had the ball running in towards goal, she just, a little snapshot on the left foot, brought it into the centre...
9: Directly in front, Carly Tapner. Currently, the lead sits at three goals to extend it to four goals. Carly Tapner for Melbourne Uni, kicking to the Lunar Park and stabs at it, but it squeezes home, and that's another one. For the muggers, they move to 6339. St Kilda 2315. Here in our girlsplayfooty.com match of the day on RSN Carnival Digital. On special comments, Andrew Donison.
15: St Kilda have just not been able to find those targets going forward, as has been the issue with them all days. Uh, Chapman previously with the, the last one, she was leading, she was ignored. Amanda Welch has been leading, she's been ignored. They're just not looking to to, to, to provide the. Sorry, they're not being able to kick to the right option going forward. St Kilda and the Muggers are making them pay on the rebound.
10: Diana Berry's done a good couple of things in this third term, and it's allowed... The Muggers to get a good buffer heading into three-quarter time. Tapner again involved in the passage of play. It's pushed forward, though, by the Sharks. Brutton ends up with the footy. Gets the handball to Bailey. Trying to shrug the tackle from Kerrick. Got brought to ground. Umpire calls play on. Chapman half-forward flank broadcast side got it to Brutton. Sends the ball inside. Attacking 50. Bounced awkwardly for pound. And the ball over the boundary line and out of play we'll throw it in 10 meters around from the right hand behind post for the Sharks they're 2-3-15 Melbourne Uni 6-3-39 we've got three and a half left in the third term
9: as they arc the back and ease it back into play Garner versus Stevenson put it down the throat there of Liston who got caught with it ball hit the ground Carrick wants to extract it couldn't take it out Gardner does Gets it back to Tilly Lucas-Rod. Just slanted straight on the boot. Long and high in the direction of Georgia Harris up against the boundary line. Will get the football back. Harris wanted to come back in board using her teammate who got absolutely clobbered. Clatt lays on a tackle. Umpire says that's holding without the pill. And it will be a free kick going the way of Georgia Harris for the Sharks. She is up against the boundary line. She is 35 metres out from goal. Will Looking be a tough kick. For their first
15: score of the turn. So, no one's provided an option. She reckons she, she has got this in the bag.
9: Harris backs herself. Thirty-five meters out against the boundary line for the Sharks. Right boot, and it's to the near side minus score. So here in our girlsplayfooty.com match of the day on RSN Carnival Digital. Two minutes remaining in this third term. Two four sixteen. The St Kilda Sharks. Melbourne Uni six three 39 Muggers bring the ball back into play. They send the ball towards the half forward
10: uh, half. Back flank on the outer side. Phillips takes the mark. She'll move it quickly for the Muggers. In the direction of Stevenson. Ball on the deck. Berry chasing after it. Goes to ground. Tilly Lucas, Rod no back. She was able to get the handball out there to Eva. A couple of bounces. The ball dribbles over the boundary line and out of play. Attacking side of the outer wing for
15: the Muggers. Mia Ray Clifford trying to take a hanger in that pack earlier. Just came crashing to ground.
10: The umpire will throw the ball back into play. O'Brien and Colwell will go into the ruck contest as they have for a majority of the afternoon. Colwell got the tap to the deck. It's pushed back towards the boundary line. Gay keeps it in play. Tilly Lucas Rod chasing after it. Couldn't extract it. Davey coming through. Might have got one high. Umpire calls play on. And now he says there's a push in the back. Free kick will go the way of the Muggers, and they look to come inboard quickly with the kick, it was risky, Stevenson trying to juggle it, couldn't take it cleanly, the ball's kicked backwards by the Sharks, Phillips with an opportunity through the middle, oh, escaped the tackle from Chapman, sends the ball in the Anderson direction, might have got a shove, umpire says play on Tilly Lucas Rod, feeds the handball out O'Brien coming through, knocked her opponent off the footy, Sharks under immense pressure inside defensive 50, able to get a kick away, but only as far as Pound in the middle of Peanut Farm Reserve Pound goes inside, attacking 50, and hits up Berry. Slight angle, 45 metres out from goal with 40 seconds left on the clock.
15: A really good shepherd there by Alicia Eva allowed that kick to go inside 50 under. Not much pressure.
10: So, Berry played for the Demons in the AFL women's competition earlier this year. Lining up for goal number two at the Lunar Park end. It's a high kick, it's not, uh, not going to do enough, and they end up with a behind. 6.440 plays,
9: 16 as they send the ball back into play to Mireille Clifford. Clifford with the ball in the back pocket on the Woolworth side of the ground, now gets going on the right, long and high, Colo in the pack, takes a mark, good mark considering under pressure as well. Falls over, didn't get chopped, so 0 no 25. As the siren sounds, it's three-quarter time, and the Sharks have got some work to do. Melbourne Uni, 6440 40 leading St Kilda, 2-4-16. With these impressions on the third term on special comments from Whiteline Wireless, Andrew Donison.
15: Melbourne Uni just took control of the entire game in that quarter. We saw in the first half that it was the team kicking towards the Barkley Road end that was having the advantage, but that quarter the Muggers, whether it was their run the run in their legs or whether their ability to hit up the opponent, we saw a beautiful chain of handballs going from half back to half forward, Ali Blackburn just missing the shot on goal, but they are just putting a lot of pressure on the ball carrier when St Kilda have the ball, and when they've got the ball, they're using their hands to clear the contest and be able to hit up the, the targets up forward the the best example was that last one, Alicia Eva putting on a, a shepherd to allow Gabby Pound just to take those extra two steps to hit up the target on a really good lead, and St Kilda are going to have to completely change the way that they've been playing because their entries into their forward line have just been terrible so far. They keep on... the, the forwards are leading and then they go back, and then they lead again, and they go back. Gabby Pound has been playing predominantly as a a loose, standing in front of the full forward, but St Kilda just seem to see that and go, well, I can't kick to anyone in the forward line. They they really need to recalibrate their forward entries.
9: Goal kickers at three-quarter time, Matthew Cox.
10: Two goals apiece to Caitlin Ashmore and Lauren Sparks. Singles to Deanna Berry and Carly Tapner. And for the Sharks, who only got her behind in that third term, Georgia Harris and Jasmine Garner with singles. The, mar- the score is 6 4 40, St Kilda 2 4 16.
9: We'll take this opportunity to take a break here on girlsplayfooty.com, radio on RSN Carnival. We'll be back on the other side of this break with around-the-ground scores from Diamond Creek and Cranbourne and Box Hill on the VU Western Spurs.
1: Daniel Hufford leads the Breakfast
0: Club. The footy season so far has been a tifter's nightmare. On Monday's show, Jimmy Bartel's on the throne and the Herald Sun's Glenn McFarlane on deck as we make sense at a footies roundup.
1: The Breakfast Club, starting
2: your Monday morning from 6 on RSN 927. Hi,
7: I'm Lane Beachley. Cartridges for Planet Art just had its biggest year ever. On average, 13,500 printer cartridges were collected every working day and they were all turned into useful things like pens, garden beds, even So thanks to everyone who recycled from home, work or school. To make the coming year even bigger, check out cartridges.planetart.org.
4: Do you know someone with macular degeneration or glaucoma who's finding it hard to get around because of vision loss? They may have recently had a fall, or you've noticed they're no longer able to find their way around safely. If you do, you should contact Guide Dogs. They help people just like this to stay safe and active. And it's a free service. To find out how Guide Dogs assists people with impaired vision to stay safe and independent, call 1-800-804-805. That's one 800 804 I
17: usually wear white. And I prefer black. But lately, we've been getting into orange. When you're wearing SES orange, you know you're making a difference. And you're learning great new skills. You'd be surprised how good you'll feel in orange. The Victoria State Emergency Service is recruiting volunteers now. For a broad range of roles, visit ses.vic.gov.au or call 1300 842 737 and find out if orange is right for you. Authorised by Victoria State Emergency Service Melbourne. Spoken by
19: Emrys and a Oh, hi, I'm Maria from Sesame Street. And Elma's Elma. We're here to talk about driveways. Driveways can be dangerous for children. Poor little red monsters. So it's important for parents to always watch their children around them. Yeah, driveways are for cars, not for play. That's right, Elmo. Play only in safe places away from driveways because people in cars may not see you. Uh, Elma sees you, Maria. Tag, you're out. You're right, Elmo. <laughs> Remember, driveways are like roads. All Always supervise, separate and see. Learn more at kidsafevic.com.au Every week more than 20 Australian families will hear the words that will change
18: their lives forever. Your child has cancer. For the long and uncertain journey ahead, Red Kite is there with very real help, like hospital and community-based support, vital financial assistance and educational services. Can you help Red Kite support these families through their cancer journey? Visit redkite.org.au or call 1800 334 771
6: It's Anna Mears winning gold. Hey, I'm Anna Mears. Winning gold at the Olympics was an incredible feeling and having my biggest rival, who I'd just beaten, ride up next to me and lift my hand in victory topped off an amazing moment. We'd had our fair share of clashes over the years, but in the end we both respected each other and that's what really counts in sport. Be gracious in victory and in defeat. To keep your sport inclusive, safe, and fair go to playbytherules.net.au
1: This is Danny Green on a night out just like this take it from me one punch can be deadly thrown in anger without warning without gloves it can kill one punch can end their life and ruin yours it takes grunt to throw it it takes guts to walk away one punch can be deadly.
8: Authorised and spoken by Danny Green Perth. Live across the web, this is the Footy.com match of the day.
9: About to start the final quarter here at the Peanut Farm Reserve. It is a four-goal lead to Melbourne. You need to get us underway. Here's Matthew Cox. Thank you very much, Peter Holden. We're underway in the middle.
10: Colwell got the tap straight into the hands of Blackburn. Sends the ball forward for the Muggers. Anderson comes out, takes it on the half volley. Got the kick there to Wilson, in fact that was Gun. her kick was smothered, Tilly Lucas Rod chasing towards the boundary lines, wrapped up by Eva, fed the handball out to Blackburn escaped the pack, puts it into the pocket and Deanna Berry takes the mark Plays on immediately, was a little rushed there from Berry and it goes across the face of Goal. Spark chasing after it, Gay on her hammer, ball on the deck, Gay able to extract it. Little kick over the top, heading towards Brutton. knocked out of her hands by Carney. It's back on the deck being pushed towards the boundary line on the outer side. Carney feeds the handball to Ashmore, escapes the tackle from Bruton, kicks the ball around her body and hits up Kerrick. Just outside attacking 50 on the outer side for the Muggers. They lead 6 4 40, the Sharks 2 4 16. Kerrick given the hurry up, goes inside attacking 50. It was a floating kick. Spark comes out, takes it on the half volley. Looping handball across there to Eva. Eva sends a high kick, top of the goal square, comes out the back of the pack. Penny Kula Reid keeps the ball in play. Chip kick over the top. Tilly Lucas Rod will take it on the half volley. Handballs it looking for Bailey gets the footy, tried to get it to Schleicher, ball bobbling around, Eva comes in, so too Blackburn, she's tackled, umpire circling, says give it to me,
15: I will ball it up. Just got to go back to Deanna Berry not having a shot for goal from 20 metres out in the pocket. Strange decision.
9: Colwell went out the tap, nearly put it down the throat of Carney. Gab Pan was in there as well. And it's all wrapped up. Umpire will call for a ball up. Just quickly around the ground scores in the VFL women's competition. Diamond Creek, 13-8, 86 lead. Cranbourne, 3-3, 21. VU Western Spurs, 4-4 lead. Box Hill, one straight six. Quick kick out of the pack. Mark taken by Alicia Eva. Carney on in the pocket, ignored. Goes in the spark direction. Does she get a bit of a shove or a bit of acting? The umpire said it was the latter. Play on is the call. Berry kicked it along the ground. Ray Clifford was there. Quickly taken out by the Sharks by Schleicher. Put it down the throat there of Garner, who relieved the pressure. So Garner has
10: it inside defensive 50 for the Sharks. She hits up Brutton on the half-back flank out of side. Wheels around on the right boot. High kick. Almost a mark. Not completed there by Hall. It's on the deck in dispute. Centre wing out of side. Gardner trying to extract it. Davey hovering the umpire. Says, give it to me. I'll ball it up.
15: Once again, the Saints using that outer wing. Chipping it via the flank down the wing before they try to find their forwards. So we wait for
9: O'Brien to go up in the contest versus Colwell. Colwell won the ball down, picked up by Bree Davey because it's the boundary line. Umpires pulled out a free kick and said it's going the way of the Muggers. So they have the ball, looks like Kerrick has it. Defensive side, centre wing out of side. Decides to come back in, ball with the pass. Blackburn have to dance around a few. She got moaned down, but got the hand pass away. No, said the umpire, too long. And a free kick going the way of the Sharks. Kate Hall with the football, gets on the right boot, looking in the cattle direction, straight overhead. Almost a mark at the back, ball hit the ground, clats lurking around, trying to jump in and take a tackle as Georgia Harris, and the umpire comes in and says, it's going nowhere, we'll have another ball up.
15: Once again, the Sharks not able to hit up that lead, come in from the forward 50. 6440. the Muggers, the Sharks 2
10: ball is wrapped up immediately from the throw up and we'll get a secondary one at the top of the 50 arc for the Sharks, kicking to the Lunar Park end in the final term umpire gets us back underway, the tap favours O'Brien straight to the deck, Hunt chasing after it, Gardner on her hammer, just went over the top and gave away the free kick so Hunt has it inside, defensive 50 for the Muggers. Comes towards the broadcast side and Pound takes it. Geez, she's been good today. Kicks it straight up the corridor for the Muggers. That kick, not great. Schleicher takes the mark at centre-half forward for the Sharks. Wheels around, long ball on the right foot in the Gardner direction. Just over her head. Chasing it towards the boundary line, Garner will see it out of play in front of M. Carney. We'll throw it in, 30 around from goal for the Sharks in the outer forward pocket, approaching the five-minute mark in the final
9: term. We'll wait for it to be thrown back into play, and it looks like it might be O'Brien versus Catterall in this contest. Little shot there from Catterall, umpire missed it. In goes Gab and just to pick up the football. Hesitant about where she was going to kick to, ends up going short in the end to Alicia Eva in front of Tilly Lucas Rod. even now gets a on the right, was heading in the Bailey Hunt direction, intercepted though by Jess Gardner sends it back inside 50, Gardner spoiled her own teammate, Pound picks it up goes for the hand pass back to Kerrick, Kerrick goes for a run, hand pass back to Emma Carney now watch her spin the wheels, Carney goes one bounce, kicks the ball looking for Ashmore who's got space on the outer wing, umpire says downfield free kick, Carney's been felt behind play, advantage is paid now to Ashmore, goes to Berry, Berry takes the mark in front of Penny Kula slows up, looks for the lead now tries to acknowledge it over the head of gun. Ball on the goal square. Chasing after it is Spark. davy has got it. Got spun around. Shrugged off the tackle. Goes back in the opposite direction. Bree Davy. Too cool karma collected, but it was a grubber of a kick to Penny the reed She's under pressure now from Carney. Got slung. Hand pass away. Play on They call. And it will dribble over the boundary line and out of bounds.
15: Carney just waving away the trainer here. She's got that, she got that one high after she got rid of the ball, but she looks like she's feeling the effects, but she's like, no, nope, I'm good, I'm good.
10: 6 four, 40. the Muggers, 2-4-16, the Sharks, ball thrown back into play at the back of the contest there, Banara brought it to ground, Wilson's all wrapped up with the footy, Davey trying to burst her way through the pack, was able to get it to Mia Ray Clifford, high ball towards the centre wing, out of side, taken there by Garner, kicks it further afield, it's close to the line, one bounce. And out of play. On the full. No, on the full. Free kick going the way of the Muggers. Defensive side of the outer wing, Pete.
9: At the moment, I've really seen the Sharks been able to link up play end to end. And that's a worrying sign when they've got to kick more than four goals to get in front with under 14 minutes remaining. Long up the line trying to find Berry who took it off the half volley. Went back now to Kerrick. Kerrick takes the mark. Forward of center wing. Out of side of the ground. 40 plays, 16, favouring the mug, Muggers over the Sharks here on girlsplayfooty.com's Match of the Day on RSN Carnival. Going across is Kerrick, on the right boot, through the hands of Stevenson, who leaped for the football. Couple of bounces out the back door, Mia Ray Clifford's got it, she's under pressure from Stevenson. Gets the hand pass over the top to Slyker. Slyker gave one on, trying to use the efficacy of Gay, but Gay got shoved over the boundary line and out of bounds. Boundary umpire and field umpire come in to have a chat about if it was on the full or not. And the umpire says, OK, I will go with your word and we'll have a throw in. Half
10: forward flank out of side for the Muggers with a healthy lead. Approaching the halfway point of the final term. Brought back into play. Colwell tries to feed the handball out to Schleicher, was able to get it, and then whacked it on the boot towards the centre wing out of side. Garner takes a good chest mark. In front of the Muggers, interchange bench. She goes long with the kick dangerous tilly lucas rod waiting down pops the ball up while sitting underneath it in a contest brought to ground muggers in defense pound with the safe hands a wide kick out on the fall in front of eva so the sharks will get another opportunity through whore about 40 meters out from goal, broadcast
9: side up against the fence mentioned mention the player in that play that put the pressure on was Katie Clapp, the Sacramento Suns footballer, who's, of course, come across to Melbourne to try her hand to get in the AFLW.
10: As Hawes kick around her body, top of the square. I think it was touched by Pound on the line. No, it made the distance. Goal to the Sharks. They're first in the second half. And they moved to 3-4-22, Melbourne Uni 6-4-40. Here on girlsplayfooty.com's Match of the Day on RSN Carnival Digital, Andrew Doninson.
15: That was a magnificent kick from the boundary there. The, the entries into the forward 50 just before that kick out of bounds on the full was symptomatic of, of what's been happening all day. A kick went to a two-on-one contest where the Muggers were able to easily clear that one. Then the next pass missed the target. Thankfully, there was the pressure put on which saw the ball go out of bounds and uh, a brilliant snap from the boundary.
9: Ball up in the middle of the ground, one out by... Colwell who tried to tap it forward, picked off by Blackburn who gone through heavy traffic hand pass over the top to find Lachlan Lachlan got around Brutton, had to go the hand pass back to Cat Phillips who nearly got mowed down she did by Hoare, that's holding the football and play on advantage paid to Brutton Brutton decides to move it quickly in the Walsh direction had one by the cherry, lost it gave up the hand pass to Paterno, Paterno tries to drill the ball, it didn't, it fell short Clad under pressure from Chapman, Clad goes to ground, Paterno lurking nearby going in there is Pound, under pressure from Gardner who tried to dispossess her of the football umpire lurking around. He at the whistling mouth refuses to blow it. quack jumps in. Umpire now says ball up as Bailey was left holding the ball.
15: The umpire was just about to pay hold in the ball and just and saw it spill out. So let it go a little bit longer.
10: Ball on the deck in dispute from the ruck contest. Lachlan trying to extract it. The umpire says it's going nowhere. I'll ball it up. 40 metres out from goal, Luna Park end of the Peanut Farm Reserve. That's the end the Sharks are kicking to. They trail by three goals. Back underway, Eva coming through, fed the handball to Kerrick, around her body, bouncing ball, top of the 50 arc for the Sharks. They had an opportunity momentarily. Berry stripped her opponent of the footy and will get a free kick. On the outer side of the Peanut Farm Reserve, Berry's kick short hits up Stevenson. Still on the half-back line for the Muggers. They lead 6-4, 40, St. Kilda 3-4, 22. High ball towards the outer wing. Lachlan came in. Now, the non-officiating umpires paid a free kick. It will go the way of the Sharks, and I think that was because of the early jump from Lachlan. Definitely.
15: She She tried to take that about four seconds before the ball got there
9: and I think it's Colwell with the pill who goes long and li- straight up the line taken away though by Stevenson who draws the player towards water, hand pass off to Tapna Tapna came back in board with a kick but going to be intercepted by Stephanie Webb of the Sharks, Webb has a player on here in Tilly Lucas Rod, she's got space on Phillips takes the mark defensive side of centre not really much to go to just a see a muggers and she was well very poor with a kick and Shard Wilson took an easy mark on the half back flank Wilson flat kick oh. looking for all intercepted though by Walsh, Amanda Walsh with the pill, nothing really on because it's one on one contest, Garner goes forward and she gets space on her opponent and Hunt takes the mark, Garner 55 metres out from goal, goes to drills it towards the pocket, Clout was involved in the contest, so was Pam, but it was taken by Paterno has a flying shot on goal, it's going to go right across the face, one two bounces the ball spins and stays in, it's taken by Eva, who runs away, takes one bounce, lost control of the football, got it back, half back flank, out of sight of the ground goes for... Further up the line, looking for M. Carney, who's under pressure. Taken away, though, by Brutton. Brutton with a hand pass back to Davey. Davey on the right boot, looking in the Chapman direction. Paterno with the fly sporter. Chapman gave the don't argue, runs around, gives the hand pass back. Slapped away by Lachlan, close towards the boundary line. Catterall coming out afterwards. Also there as well was the uh, player in Carney. She's lurking around the pack, watching on as Stevenson, the umpire calls for the bounce. The Sharks are desperate, but they're still down by three goals, eight minutes left.
15: Chapman needed to have that shot for goal. She was, could have snapped it around her body, went for the handball instead. Catterall got a tap
10: down, fisted away by Lachlan, close to the boundary line on the outer side. Stevenson's kick was smothered by Davey, followed it up, got the handball to Garner. Garner a hoping, kicked to Schleicher, didn't go the distance, but had space to have a shot on goal, and it's missed. Minor score to the Sharks. 3 play 6-4, and a half minutes left on the clock in the final term here at the Peanut Farm Reserve. It's brought back into play quickly
9: and... Blackburn takes the mark in defence. Blackburn goes with a long kick out of side off the ground. Had to be good with the kick and found Tapna who took it in front of Mia Ray Clifford. Tapna swings around now heading in the direction of Bailey Hunt. Outpointed on that occasion by Hoare who brought the ball to ground. Hand pass quickly back to Davey. Davey's got to get through traffic. Hand pass over the top looking for Colwell. Missed her slicker involved in the pack. Take it away by Hunt. Put it on the right boot and went for rain with the kick. The penny killer Reed reads it best. The Sharks co-captain says the players come to me. Present... She's looking around for options. Half-back flank out of side of the ground. Kicks it straight up the guts over the head there of Stevenson. Went out the back, got past Hart, picked off by Walsh. Walsh's hand pass intercepted partially by Lachlan, but spinning out a trouble. Slacker, who now moves it inside 50 with a kick. Ball went over the back. Not enough numbers back there. Or is there? from out of nowhere? Absolutely out of nowhere, that one for the Sharks. Put that one down to Kate Hoare put the foot down, doing 100 in a 60k zone, got past everyone, kicked it off the carpet, five metres out, and the Sharks are back in the game.
15: Georgia Harris was the only St Kilda Shark that was likely to get that ball and, and score a goal, and then all of a sudden... Kate Hoare has just come out of nowhere and belted it through for her second goal of the quarter. 11 points the difference.
9: Six minutes left. Sharks need two goals. They couldn't do it again, could they? Two weeks in a row, two goals late to pinch it.
10: I tell you what, they're finishing the game stronger than the Muggers at the moment, the Sharks. Umpire gets us back underway in the me- middle. Colwell got the tap. Davey just pushes it forward followed up her work running to centre half forward Davey long ball inside attacking 50 at the back of the pack the fist applied Paterno picked it up roving goal St Kilda trail by 5 points here at the peanut farm reserve 5.5 left on the clock they're 5535, Melbourne Uni 6440 here on girlsplayfooty.com's match of the day on RSN Carnival Digital. Andrew Dononson, um,
15: listeners, you would have heard a very loud woo-hoo, and that was Sue Alberti to our right getting right into the spirit of things here. Come on, Sue, take over the microphone here. You can give us some special
9: comments. Belief is a wonderful thing. They did it last week, and you can sense. Could we do it again? Five minutes remaining. Five-point ball game. Muggers way. Broughton almost threw it out. O'Brien had it momentarily. Knocked it forward. Sliker tries to keep the ball moving. Picked off there by Georgia Harris, who goes inside 50, looking for Catterall one-on-one with Clatt. Clatt won the contest, then got brought to ground. Did she drop it? No, according to the umpire. Still in dispute, 15 metres out from goal. It's Gab Pound who has it. And puts it straight down the throat of O'Brien, who dropped it cold. There is... Ta- they're under pressure, Colwell involved there as well. O'Brien on the ground. Umpire blows the whistle, calls for a ball up. Sharks in a half forward. Four and a half minutes remaining.
10: Final term here on GirlsPlayFooty.com's match of the day on RSN Carnival Digital. O'Brien got a fingertip to it. Tapner tried to impose herself on the contest. Umpire calls play on. Bruttons claimed immediately by Carney. Did she have prior? No.
15: Very Pulled lucky there. Very lucky, Brutton. Certainly had prior, but the umpire been a little bit kind.
10: Half forward flank out of side for the sharks. Done all the attacking in this final term. Gay roving the pack. Kick around her body. Inside attacking 50 of the sharks. Went through everyone. Oh. pack then. Not completed there by Hoare, the kick out wide, Lachlan will take the mark, centre wing broadcast side for the Muggers, they lead by 5 points with 4 left on the clock, high ball towards the half forward flank, Phillips stands strong, takes the mark, returning to the Muggers side for this round 2 match, gave the handball off to Blackburn, gave the do argue to Colwell, sends the ball inside attacking 50, Berry takes the mark, but I reckon she might have just pulled up a little lame.
15: Jenna Colwell is furious with herself. Ali Blackburn had the ball. Colwell could have laid the tackle. She went to bump. Blackburn just bounced off, kicked it into the forward line, and we see Berry with the mark and shot for goal.
10: Deanna Berry walked off the mark, had to play on. Long kick. Berry touched on the line. Well, we saw a draw. Back in round six between these two sides, 2016. We've got three left on the clock. It is an even
9: goal margin. Yes, that game, of course. Uh, Brown, irrelevant, pardon me. Sorry, at no, at, round at six. Main Oval, Main Oval, Melbourne Uni. Could it happen again? There was three minutes on the clock. and It's a goal the difference. Melbourne Uni up. Mia Ray Clifford goes long with the kick, straight through the hands there of Gay, who couldn't hang on to it, Bruton up against the boundary line, stole away though by the Muggers, kick around the corner, gun coming after it, she takes the mark. So Melbourne Uni with the football. They're going to try and chew up the clock and try and take momentum out of the game. 50 metres out from goal. Kicked it right into the player on the mark. Ball hit the ground. O'Brien just kicked it off the carpet. Was looking for Blackburn. Kicked away from her. Phillips in the foot race here. She got turned over by Tilly lucas Rod. O'Brien feeds it out to Phillips. Feeds it out to Blackburn who sold the candy. Marvellous mother by Webb. Ball hit the ground. Blackburn wanted to go in one more time. She's almost hatching it. Webb fighting it hard with her and the umpire's going to call for a bounce. Two minutes left on the clock. Muggers by goal
10: and they've got it inside attacking 50 umpire waits for the ruck women to nominate o'brien will win the tap down carney just overran it lachlan scooped it to blackburn and the umpire saw it as well free kick going the way of the sharks back pocket broadcast side less than two minutes left on the clock they've got to move it quickly Davy. Kicks the ball along the boundary line. Will hit up Brutton. Wanted to play on immediately. Wobbly kick off the boot. Cole sitting underneath it. Couldn't bring it in. Schleicher coming through. Receives the footy. Kicks the ball towards centre wing. Paterno underneath it. Couldn't get a hand on it. Ashmore getting involved for the Muggers. Ball on the deck in dispute. Gay was able to extract it. Got it across to Paterno. Across to Garner. Goes towards the half forward flank on the broadcast side. Ashmore again getting involved. Gets it to... Uh, Carney, Carney got the ball over the top. Hunt bounced awkwardly. Opportunity for Walsh goes to ground and um, Pike calls play on.
15: Scooped up here by Hoare. Someone on their own in the goal square. Hoare kicked it around, top of the goal square. Garner shrugged off the cut tackle. Garner. <laughs> oh, the post.
10: No, post. it bounced back into play. Anderson in defence for the Muggers, mopping up, sends the ball in the O'Brien direction. The pack flies, brought to ground. Chapman fires handball to Paterno is going to have to follow it up. Gardner, wax boots a ball. Long one inside
9: attacking 50. Anderson takes the mark. No, that's not Anderson. My apologies. It's Wilson. Wilson, Wilson, Wilson takes the mark. And there's under a minute to play. Bull on the outer side. Taken away there by Kirik, who Now has to go long. Finds Lachlan in front of Mia Ray Clifford. One, at the moment it is a one goal lead to the Muggers, she goes long up the line looking for Berry who's got a paddock in front of herself but she dropped the pill, Liston was there as well, ball got kicked off the ground O'Brien went after it, dispossessed, picked up by Bree Davy. Davy with the hand pass back to Tilly Lucas Rod, Rod now with a hand pass back to Mia Ray Clifford, under pressure the kick, heading in the direction of half forward flake, taken away by O'Brien who gave it to Carney, who unloaded with the right boot kick in the Berry direction, spalled from behind, taken by Gay, Gay goes straight up the line, through the hands of Tilly Right. She couldn't hang on to it, but according to the umpire, she didn't touch it. And Carney took it instead clean. And she has the ball defensive side of center wing. She's trying to kill the clock. She's all over! Melbourne Uni have hung on by one goal against the fast finishing St Kilda Sharks. 6 5 41 to St Kilda's. 5 5 35.
15: Kate Hoare almost stole the game for St Kilda. She kicked two goals in that last quarter. She was there buzzing around the pack every time the ball went into the forward line. Jazzy Garner was on her own in the goal square for about 20 seconds when the when St Kilda had the ball. They snapped it towards her. Garner picked the ball up. A flying shot towards goal. bounced a metre out and bounced straight up in the air. The Muggers were able to clear the ball.
9: And you know what the most annoying thing for them would have been? Not necessarily going through for a goal, but if it did hit the post with a minute to go, it would have made a five-point game with the possibility of a seven-point
15: play. Exactly. Perhaps Garner was going for a seven-point point play we never know <laughs> but the in in that last quarter the only time that St Kilda were coming back into the corridor and going directly towards the leading forwards for the entire game was when there was pressure on in those last five or six minutes and they had to score they just they, they needed to do that a lot earlier the leads were there they were just not being honoured
9: you know, and an interesting takeout of this game for both sides. Melbourne Uni, I guess, happy that they'll take the points once again and they'll be sitting on two wins from two games. But for the St Kilda Sharks, although disappointed, it, and particularly would have been even more so if they had won it, they would be able to now just put the thought in the back of the opposition minds of this is a fast-finishing side with fitness that will come at us in the final quarter.
10: And that was the one thing the Sharks have been working on over the summer. It's that yeah. fitness, that ability to be, and to be at, able to run out games.
9: That run really showed there in the final quarter. It really seemed like the Muggers were under siege. You could just see the likes of Davey, Kate Hor, Madison Gay, just coming, coming, coming at them.
15: They kicked three goals in that last quarter, 3-1 to just the one behind by the Muggers. The Muggers, the one behind, I think it was uh, Diana Berry having the shot for goal and the umpire had enough of her wasting time and called her to play on very quickly. So she had to have that quick shot. But yeah, St Kilda, they, they had the run at the end. They just couldn't execute the skills.
9: The one thing I was surprised by as well, when Berry was going back to think about having that shot, and you could see that she'd pulled up uh, with, with a little bit of cramp. And maybe it shows maybe the muggers were tired. Normally in that scenario, Ellie Blackburn was hanging around half forward and she's been known to do the old, I'll run back a few metres so no one's watching me and then I'll sprint past someone who's 50 out because she can long bomb it from 50. Hand pass off, flying shot and goal. Particularly at that stage when you're six points up, even a point virtually just puts them over the line. Seven points would be too much for the sh- sharks to pull back. But she's just walking around with hands on hips. It looks like she was gassed.
15: Yeah, and that's got to be sort of a, a concern for the the Melbourne Uni coaching staff, because they did have a hard game in the, the wet. It was a slog last week. Perhaps their legs were just a little bit tired. So, we heard the coaches talk about what they're going to do in this upcoming week with the bye the round next week. So... Maybe the Muggers will just go down to go down to St Kilda Beach, have a have a recovery session and maybe just have a, a light week on the track and then a week off.
9: I know when Melbourne UD come off, Coxie will get the song and hopefully bring the player of the day over. Let's just throw a few thoughts around. I'll, Andrew, I'll leave the honour in your hands again for our player of the day. But uh, really been impressing me the last couple of weeks. Did the job on Vestio and again today. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Gap Pound really has come on as a footballer over the last 12 months. Yeah, Play, playing, playing a different
10: role this year too. Not Used to seeing her more of an attacking style of player.
15: Now a much more defensive unit. Yeah, I, I, was, I was going to say I was going to run through a few players and end up on Gab Pound. Because for me, she was the one that was putting the doubt in the mind of the St Kilda players when they were looking up into the forward line. Gab Pound was playing that loose player in the back line. She was standing in front of the full forward. But then she was also drifting across, getting the intercept possession, getting the handball off and she was able to run the ball through the midfield. I thought if St Kilda had have got up, it it would have all been Kate on Hall. Kate Hoare. Brianna Davy was probably the best player for St Kilda across the entirety of the game but Kate Hoare was the one she... Spark them in that last quarter. She kicked two goals. She almost kicked that third one. Amy Catterall tried and tried and tried up forward, but just wasn't getting the delivery that, that she needed. Emma Carney, Ali Blackburn were excellent in, in the midfield, but that's not where the game was won today. The game was won by the fact that St Kilda could not find a target inside forward 50. Gab Pound was one of the main reasons for that and she then, as we said, provided that drive off halfback as well.
9: And as well, if you have a look through the St Kilda Sharks lineup, I'm impressed with Ruby Schleicher. Now, she's originally recruited as a tall and hopefully as a ruck, but she seems to be more of a mobile player, and she seems to be better at that as well. She's just been running around, just picking off things off half back. She seems to be just that extra body in contests. And uh, again, I, I've hardly seen her ruck, and it just seems to be better her mobile
15: running around the ground. And she actually seemed to really come into the game in the second half. She mm. She probably had... Eight to twelve possessions in the first half, but she really, really got going in that second half, and she was really important in the last few minutes. She affected some huge contests and got St Kilda, or uh, allowed St Kilda, to get so close. I think Brittany Benici was 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 okay. She was a thereabouts player. There was a couple of times where she just missed the target, or she just ran past and the ball ball bounced the other way. She then got that uh, dislocation of her thumb, came back and didn't quite have the influence in the last quarter.
9: I guess the concern as well for the St Kilda Sharks is with Britt Benici, she's the type of player, when there is a couple of minutes to go, she needs to be the one inside that forward 50 arc to be able to steal it when it hits the ground. That needs to be heard game. It needs to be, hit the ground, bang, me, snap, goal.
15: That's exactly right. Amanda Walsh and Sarah Chapman were probably the two that were performing that role, but they were also the ones who were doing the first lead, the second lead, the third lead. Sarah uh, Amanda Walsh in particular, throughout the whole day, she would have been... 15, 16 times where she's led for the ball and been ignored by her teammates. But to continue to present is exactly what she needed to do. Sarah Chapman in that last quarter, she, again, continued to present. But as you say, there just needed to be that someone at ground level. Jazzy Garner almost did it, but she's not the one that you want the ball up off ground level and snapping around the body. Kate Hoare did do that, but she was also the one who was driving the ball inside forward 50.
9: And it looks like as well they might be doing some uh, presentations... ...for the uh, Susan Alberti Medical Research Foundation... ...because it's their day today that they've been raising funds and awareness for. And of course Sue, a big supporter of not only women's football in particular... ...as she's poured much money into and support over the years... ...but also in particular the St Kilda Sharks at VFLW level.
15: Yeah, and it was great to see her not only here at the ground but she was right up on the fence getting right into it in that last quarter as we said in the in the call you could hear her cheering and screaming as St Kilda were coming home really really strongly in that last quarter and she's just someone who loves footy Pete she just absolutely loves being out there. uh,
19: some of the Melbourne Uni girls uh, she is an unbelievable woman and uh, has played such a pivotal role in where women's football is now and where it's going to go into the future. So we really wanted to create a fantastic day here for her and I, and I hope she appreciates um, what we've done for her today as much as we appreciate what she's, she's done for women's football and also for this football club. Uh, this year um, we have created a, a, an award uh, for the best on ground for St Kilda and also for Melbourne Uni uh, which will uh, carry on into the future and we'll get the coaches to tell us who they're best on ground. So Shawnee do you want to go first?
14: Yeah first. Uh, first of all World well, Walt well played at Melbourne Uni, uh, yeah it's a good outfit. Uh, we didn't play um a fit <laughs> and, and well coached, so well done. Guys. Um yeah, the uh, girl who, who won the best on ground today is obviously a, an icon in um, in uh, women's footy at the moment, and uh, you know she's a leader of our footy club, and uh, I'm very happy that she's playing in our jumper because yeah. uh, she's, she's all class and that's great.
9: two medals being awarded one for each side
19: And
16: uh, thank you first of all Sean thank you so much and uh, thank you for a lovely uh, pre-game function it was fantastic to be, meet you for the first thank time too, and a fantastic presentation from the Sharks look we find you guys the hardest to match up against I think uh, about three minutes ago Sean and I were probably thinking the same thing please not another draw so <laughs> you know, it was just sensational the way you girls kept coming and credit to you we thought our best today. We've changed her from a half-forward flanker to a winger and we finally settled her across a half-back flank. We thought Gab Pound was very good yeah. today. Great minds think line. Yeah.
9: <laughs> Thank you so much. A photo being taken of uh, Susan Alberti with Gab Pound and with Brianna Davey as they do that... Uh, presentation. Coxy there in the middle of all of that, but uh, two champion AFLW footballers. I want to click from Carlton.
15: Yes, indeed, yes. Brie Davy was probably the she was the, the reason why St Kilda were able to remain in the game throughout that first half. Her Long kicking was something that was, was really important. She would get the ball and hoof it long, and the Muggers had to take a couple of possessions to get back that ground. So when Melbourne Uni were on top, Bree was able to get the ball. She spun out of trouble a couple of times and just belt the ball into the forward line. And she, as I said, she was the, one, the reason why they were still in it at halftime at three-quarter time. And... They couldn't quite get there, but Kate Hall just tried to drag them over the line. But Brenna Davian and Gab Pound, absolutely the, the two best players on the ground. I think, as you said, Pete, great minds think alike. just shows that we know what we're talking about here on Girls Play Footy.
9: And that's why you listen to our coverage via RSN Carnival Digital Radio. And just quickly, a big thank you to the team at uh, RSN Racing and Sport for getting behind uh, local grassroots footy. Uh, hopefully there'll be an announcement on uh, on some more football coverage uh, around Victorian footy uh, in the coming weeks, but certainly getting behind the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition and uh, allowing us to bring it to you on digital radio throughout Melbourne on RSN Carnival and via the app. Yeah. <laughs> go to the App Store, iTunes or Google Play, whichever one for your phone, and just download the RSN app and you'll be able to uh, get the coverage by clicking on Carnival and listening to us on match times. I can tell you the around the ground scores in the other matches. The other game that started at the same time as us, Diamond Creek and Cranbourne. and the end, Diamond Creek 14-14 98, defeated Cranbourne 3-3-21. and currently underway at the moment. I think they're about half time in that match. Box Hill, two straight 12 trailed the VU Western Spurs 7-4-46. Yesterday, we brought you Geelong and Seaford, Geelong, 11-7-73, defeated Seaford, 4-2-26. And in a come from behind, Thriller, Darabin, 6-8-44, defeated the Eastern Devils, 4-8-32. I know we all watched the video of that online because that game started later. We're watching the thrilling finish, and boy, a heartbreaker for the
15: Devils. Absolutely, but as you mentioned, Pete, the the ability to to watch those games live, being streamed on the VFL website. After the call yesterday, we were all crowded around our phones watching the last nine and a half, minutes of of the game yesterday afternoon, and it's just it provides the the access to people who can't get to the games and it lets them see a a game a week, and those games are are then able to be streamed or watched as a replay during the week as well, because they're up there on the VFL website, so would encourage anyone to go and have a look at that, because it was a great finish
9: Indeed it was, 6-5-41 for this game, defeating St Kilda Sharks 5-5-35 Melbourne Uni, the winners Closer than the game yesterday, but yesterday really was a thriller right to the very last minute in Meg Hutchins' 200th game for the Eastern Devils. But again, vfl.com.au, you'll see a replay of that game anytime you want to see it. And we should mention that we will be definitely back on air for round three. The new Round three will be starting on uh, the weekend of June 3rd and 4th. Now we'll be back on Saturday, June 3rd. We're not 100% sure what time yet. Now we originally had penciled in uh, Box Hill versus St Kilda Sharks, Boxhill Hill City Oval as a morning game. However, we are of course uh, chatting with uh, various other broadcast partners because we don't want two stations at the one game. We obviously want to share it around and uh, we are hoping to uh, find out if we're doing that game or maybe Diamond Creek Darabin. We'll have those details sorted out for you uh, closer to the date. As we speak... We have uh, Gab Pound and uh, Matt Cox coming over to us. They'll be singing the song uh, shortly. First of all, our uh, player of the day here on girlsplayfooty.com, Gab Pound. Gab, how was that for a finish?
22: So how are you going? Um, yeah, it was a, I was about to have a heart attack, I think. It was a very close finish in the end.
10: Different role, we were just saying as you were coming over. Different role for you this season, and it looks like you're relishing that opportunity to continue your development as a footballer.
22: Yeah, I'm, I'm really liking um, half-back. I think if, uh, if, if I play well as a half-back, it'll improve me as a player um, up forward as well. But yeah, I'm loving having the little run-off at half-back and it, it, feel, it feels nice.
15: But it wasn't just the, the run-off half-back. We noticed that you were also standing in front of the full forward a couple of times and St Kilda were a little bit hesitant with their, their movement into their forward line. So that was a really important part of restricting St Kilda being able to find those targets up forward.
22: Yeah, you've got to mix it up a bit, get a scare of a bit.
9: <laughs> and, and how's it been playing, as you said, in that defensive role on some of those key players, including last week, up against your Carlton teammate in Darcy Versio? Yeah,
22: it was a little bit awkward, but, you know, you've got to get the job done. It's footy, so you've got to play.
9: Is it that
10: something that's also a bit weird coming from the environment of Carlton back into the Muggers lineup?
22: Yeah, so um, same with AFLW. I'm playing against my Mugger teammates and coming back into the VFL, playing against my Carlton teammates. But, you know, we're all buddies in the end and we love, we love footy and we love each other.
10: And two wins on the board for you early in the season. How crucial is that in the context of what is going to be a long year?
22: Yeah, I think it gives us a bit of a break, definitely, um, as the season nears the end.
9: Gab, we better let you go because the girls are going in to sing the song. Congratulations on being our player of the day. You get the $50 Rebel Sport voucher. Sing it loud and uh, proud. You beauty. Another win for the Muggers. Thanks thanks for having me. That's Gabriella Pound, our player of the day, here on girlsplayfooty.com's Match of the Day on RSN Carnival Digital. Gab Pound, fantastic effort today. And uh, going in to sing the song. Coxie's going round as well. He'll catch all the action in the rooms. Hopefully won't get sprayed on by any of the Gatorade juice or anything like that. But, uh, again, they're absolutely... Over the moon, the Muggers—they've held on against the fast-finishing St Kilda Sharks.
15: And do you know what I love about the the chat there with Gab Pound is that there was just so much of the the straight down the line. Oh yeah, no, done good. The, we've stuck <laughs> to stuck to our structures, you know. Do whatever's bright for the team. I it's I, I like that they're that they're stopping and they're thinking about you know, all right. We're now professional footballers. This is what we have to do. And so, you know, if that can make her a better footballer, she said, playing in the back half will help her be a better forward. Then that's going to be what she does to, you know, to develop herself. And also, as we saw today, for the betterment of the Melbourne Uni team.
9: Uh, and- as we speak at the moment, uh, the girls just go in the room. I think Lauren Spark is the uh, last one in there. I think I see a giraffe standing around. not sure if it's Kate Sheila or Emma, Car- uh, Emma King. It's Emma King. <laughs> king As they all say, um, who, of course, told us uh, during an interview during the year, we go, oh, so what do you do um, during the week as a, a marquee player? What, net- watch Netflix?
15: <laughs>
9: great insight, great insight. Doing it tough. And also see Darcy Vecchio as well hanging nearby. Here's the Muggers song. I've always said you can tell a lot by the way they sing their song about how they finish a game, whether they're singing it loud and
15: proud of, oh, what a great
9: win. A little bit flat at the start, I just got a feeling in that song, it's a bit like, Just dodged a bullet.
15: There's a lot of relief there. Well, we saw last week, as we've said, St Kilda came home strong. They kicked two goals to to win the game. And this week we saw it happening again. They kicked three goals. They just needed that one more to to get over the line. And they were attacking. They were just pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward. And as you said, the Muggers, the song was sung in relief more than uh, jubilation.
9: Indeed, they will be uh, just saying, we got out of jail. But I guess for Sean Smith, again, he points at the board for the Sharks and he goes, "Okay, okay, we lost, but we're coming home. At least he's able to emphasise, the fitness training we've been doing has been working. We know tick, one thing has worked. Now we've just got to go down the line and start ticking the other boxes.
10: And that's one thing that uh, Andrew Jago actually remarked about out on the ground, the fact that they were able to run out the game and that running that Sean's got doing oh, sorry, got the Sharks doing, um, has really paid off over the summer months. And and you're right, uh, saying relief. Um, I think they were a little bit surprised that they actually got that one, the the Muggers, in the rooms there. It was a weird atmosphere to be in. But 2-0, that's important in the context of the season.
15: Well, and we've seen, you know, there are a lot of quality players now being distributed amongst the teams. It's not just going to be the Darabin show like it has been in, in recent years there's going to be, St Kilda's going to be up there, Muggers are going to be up there, Darabin's going to be up there, Eastern Devils are going to be up there, so and Geelong could be up there as well, they've probably played two of the the weaker sides, but they've put really good scores on the board and we saw yesterday they've got an excellent structure and they stuck to it. They they spread the ball wide with handball and they've got targets that they can kick to so getting those two early wins no matter how you get them is going to be crucial going forward.
10: And I'll just uh, add to the list of high rollers floating around the Peanut Farm Reserve today.
9: Darcy Vessio just off in the distance. Indeed as well with uh, Emma King probably talking uh, about a uh, numerous things going how do you use your time when you're not playing? As we were saying earlier Emma King mentioned it was net to ask me oh, maybe I would fiddle around with Photoshop and do some graphics you know that type of thing Ah, uh, dear, only to be a marquee football... <laughs> only to be young again, yikes. Um, l- let's have a look at those around-the-ground scores uh, just quickly. Diamond Creek, 14-14-98, defeating Cranbourne, 3-3-21. 28 scoring shots to six, probably expected. Uh, Box Hill at the moment, trail VU Western Spurs in the third quarter. Box Hill, 2-1-13, VU Western Spurs, 8-4-52. I, I kind of read that going, oh, it's good that Box Hill have gone on the board. And you look at the Western Spurs going, hmm, you look at the score, and then last week's score going... Maybe they've improved a touch, but have they improved enough?
15: i tell you what, we're going to find out in two weeks' time when they take on the Muggers at uh, Henry Turner Memorial Reserve, the Spurs. The, the Muggers will be looking to go 3-0 and in uh, in Round 3. And that, it'll, as I said, it'll tell us a lot about the Spurs. Box Hill will be taking on St Kilda in Round 3. So St Kilda will be looking to, to get their second victory of the season.
9: And as well as we have a look, uh, we might as well have a look at that. That is round three, starting off on Saturday, May 27th. Now, at the moment, we're technically penciled in to do Box Hill versus St Kilda, an 11 o'clock game at Box Hill City Oval. Now, we're trying to work it out with one of the other broadcast stations, uh, the Community Radio 3WBC, who've traditionally followed Box Hill men's around. Um, If they are doing that game for the women's, then we will go to one of the afternoon games, Uh, which you said, VUS and Spurs, Melbourne Uni at Henry Turner Reserve. Or the other option, Plenty War Memorial Park, the old foes, time. And Creek and Darabin. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, can I put my name down for that one? <laughs> you guys can go to another
10: game. No, I'm that, going out to uh, Plenty War Memorial Park.
9: That is absolutely mouth-watering. Second game at home for the Creekers. First time in a year and a half they've welcomed Darabin back there. Maybe both sides will be at full sh- full strength after having the round by next week. Uh, that will be a ring-ding-dinger, and it might just tell us where both sides are at. Yes,
10: okay, so it's going to be a good indication that obviously Darabin getting away a yesterday against the Devils. Um, probably another opportunity for the Devils to uh, take victory but couldn't, weren't able to do so. So Darabin, not in the best of form at the moment. Can Diamond Creek get him on the hop?
9: Cranbourne and Geelong on the Sunday will be our match of the day, Sunday, May 28th at 2pm. Cranbourne, Geelong at Frankenholmes Oval. To be honest, you probably suggest that maybe Cranbourne will struggle and Geelong will get the chocolates there. And is would that be three in a row for Geelong?
15: Yeah, it would it, be. It would be, uh, but it, how, but again, how do you judge it? How, how intriguing
10: is that? A side that we predicted probably wouldn't go too far
9: is going to be 3-0 and after three rounds. But as we pointed out in yesterday's call, if Geelong win that then the game after that is against a side having their third home game in a row, Diamond Creek. Yes. <laughs> um, Whack! Here comes reality. <laughs> not, not the greatest of fixtures there for Geelong. <laughs> unfortunately. But, hey, if Geelong pull that one out and win, then all of a sudden we have to relook at the whole deal. And
10: and we saw last year when Seaford got on that roll with mm. that bit of confidence, nothing could stop them. Yeah. So if Geelong are up and about, who knows what can happen. They've now adopted that attitude that Seaford have of, let's see what
9: happens.
15: The, the, the Western Bulldogs, why not us? Yep.
9: That's it. Seaford and Eastern Devils at Mulgrave Reserve on Sunday, May 28th. On paper, it should be the Devils winning comfortably, but Devils have had two losses, two heartbreaking losses, and low scoring on both of the, uh, both of those occasions. Seaford, disappointing two losses, both have been low scoring. If you're Brett Alexander going into that game, you'd be wanting to try and send the message, I want us to three-quarter time to be hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. If we're within a goal or two at three-quarter time, then the mind games come into it. Then you try and tell your sides, here's the Devils. They've fallen over in the last two games of the final quarter. They're going to fall over again. That's the type of headspace that you want your team in in that game.
10: Well, we are just talking about Geelong going 3-0. and It could be 0-3 for the Devils if they're not careful. And that would be a shocker for them, considering the expectation that they would go the next level. They're, they're the team that are going to improve and, and step up to, to mix it with the top two or three sides. I'll tell you what, they lose that match. And r- and, wrong- question mark.
9: and wrongfully, but the words will come out by, by some in the media. They'll be asking the question of, oh, Perkins isn't playing. It, it, it's Perkins, which it's not because we know there's some other players that's not getting the ball forward without Lambert and Trend being there. But that will be thrown around by the mainstream media.
15: And I think that the week off this week is going to be absolute heaven for- for the Devils because they can have that time just to sort of reassess and they won't be going, right, let's come again, our legs are tired, our brains think that we can't run games out, so they're going to have that week off. And the coaching staff have got a really, really big effort ahead of them to get them into the right mind frame to say, right, let's play four quarters of footy. Even though they have been playing four quarters of footy, it's just that thought, we've got run over twice now
9: indeed indeed we might take this opportunity to take a quick break here on girls play footy we'll come back with more wrap-up and uh, talk a little bit about trade week before we leave at 4:30 p.m final scores here at the peanut farm reserve in st kilda on the susan alberti medical research foundation match day melbourne uni 6 5 41 defeating the st kilda sharks 5 5 35.
0: You're listening to Carnival on digital radio, live streaming around the world, and on the RSN smartphone app. See the listening guide at rsn.net.au.
3: The symptoms of ovarian cancer sound like part of every woman's life. Abdominal bloating, abdominal or back pain, appetite loss, changes in toilet habits, unexplained weight gain or loss, indigestion or heartburn, and fatigue. But if these symptoms are unusual for you and they persist, please see your doctor. For more information, visit the Ovarian Cancer Program website at nbocc.org.au.
7: Hi, I'm Lane Beachley. Cartridges for Planet Art just had its biggest year ever. On average, 13,500 printer cartridges were collected every working day. And they were all turned into useful things like pens, garden beds, even road surfaces. So thanks to everyone who recycled from home, work or school. To make the coming year even bigger, check out cartridges.planetark.org.
18: Children drown in portable pools every year in Australia. Others are hospitalised because of non-fatal drowning incidents. Young children can easily topple in and drowning is silent and happens quickly. Royal Life Saving and consumer affairs agencies across Australia are reminding people to take important safety steps like active supervision of kids in and around portable pools. The question is, can you make it safe? For more information and simple safety tips, visit royallifesaving.com.au forward slash make it safe.
20: One of them is where I shake my head to get my hair out of my eyes. There's another one where I sort of do like a little squeaking in my throat. Tourette syndrome is a neurological disorder that affects thousands of Australians. It is characterised by involuntary movements and vocal noises called tics. We can't help it. And- We're just like you in every other way, so visit Tourette.org.au
4: Do you know someone with macular degeneration or glaucoma who's finding it hard to get around because of vision loss? They may have recently had a fall or you've noticed they're no longer able to find their way around safely. If you do, you should contact Guide Dogs. They help people just like this to stay safe and active. And it's a free service. To find out how Guide Dogs assists people with impaired vision to stay safe and independent, Call 1-800-804-805. That's 1-800-804-805.
13: Even Hey, guys, I'm Jess. And I'm Lisa from the Veronica is for Rad. Recording artists, actors and athletes against drinking driving. What does it mean to be a designated driver? It means you're the friend who's agreed not to drink, not the person who's had the least to drink. It's cool to do and it shows you care about your friends. If you screw up just once, then your life changes forever. Face it, their lives are in your hands. So why don't you and your friends take it in turns to be the designated driver when you go out?
6: You'll make the road safer for all of us. It's enemies winning gold. Hey, I'm Anna Mears. Winning gold at the Olympics was an incredible feeling, and having my biggest rival, who I'd just beaten, ride up next to me and lift my hand in victory topped off an amazing moment. We'd had our fair share of clashes over the years, but in the end, we both respected each other, and that's what really counts in sport. Be gracious in victory and in defeat. To keep your sport inclusive, safe and fair, go to playbytherules.net.au.
15: When you get a spare moment,
8: pour a coffee, jump on the web, and have a go at the RSN 927 Listener Survey. It won't take long. It's your chance to tell us who you are and what you're thinking about all sorts of things, from racing and sport to the way you use social media. And there's a nice prize from the tab up for grabs. We'd love to hear from you. So get started and look for
0: the Listener Survey link at rsn.net.au. Daniel Hufford leads the Breakfast Club. The footy season so far has been a tifter's nightmare. On Monday's show, Jimmy Bartels on the throne. And the Herald Sun's Glenn McFarlane on deck as we make sense at a footy's roundup.
2: The Breakfast Club. Starting your Monday morning from 6 on RSN 927.
8: Live across the web, this is the girlsplayfooty.com match of the day.
9: 17 past four on a Sunday afternoon. This has been round two of the Swiss Wilders VFL Women's Competition on RSN Carnival Digital where today we saw Melbourne Uni hang on in a thriller. 6-5-41 against a fast finishing St Kilda Sharks 5-5-35. The Sharks again three goals in the final quarter. One last attack they made with about a minute to go. The ball went long to the goal square near the goalpost, bounced a few centimetres short of the goalpost, and then went backwards into play and the Muggers were able to clear it, kill the remaining 50 seconds and that was the ball game for the Sharks. It was all about centimetres. What could have been? Exactly.
15: Jazzy Garner could have been the uh, the hero, the local hero. Sue Alberti would have chaired her off the ground herself but couldn't quite get the ball to bounce the right way. But you talk about a game of centimetres and it was more than a few centimetres that the, uh, the Sharks were out with their delivery into the forward line. That's where the game was won and lost. That's where we were talking about Gab Pound being the best on ground because she was not only running the ball out of defence, she was stopping those forays forward by standing in front of the, the full forward and they just could not hit a target forward of centre.
9: Is it fair enough to say, and she's out at the moment through injury, Mo Hope in the last year or two maybe has made the Sharks look better because of how mobile she is and where she runs to. She can either mark or hit the ball, hit the ground hard, and scoop it up and snap. It's because of her work at ground level that makes their delivery look a little better?
10: Yeah, and I I think the other... The, the other thing to dovetail into that is the presence that she provides mm. up forward. She she was the one that attracted the the best defender. Now, whether well, sometimes she had, best two defenders at yeah. yeah. So, the, so the fact she may not have had a good day, she may not have kicked a bag of goals, but she was able to take the best defenders out and allow her teammates to to create that impact on the scoreboard. And you look down there at the moment, and who is the number one? Who is the number one forward? That is that is my yeah. question because Garner floats through, uh, Harris at times looked good, Hoare, down there today looked good as well, but she seemed to do a more of a a, a central role across half forward. Um, Catterall is she is she the the biggest presence for them? Like I, I just there is no full forward as such, and I know we were speaking about the, the old tactics of having someone deep in the goal square, but they just don't seem to have that central figure point that they can go long to in a contest, whereas it down the other end of the ground, you've got someone like Jess Anderson that's providing that presence for the Muggers.
15: And Jess Anderson, she didn't necessarily take the marks today, but as you say, she was that presence. She brought the ball to ground, and then they were able to either you know, get the crumb and kick a goal or just lock it in the forward line. They had the repeat entries, and they knew, kick it to Anderson, she'll get it down. I I reckon probably about 14 players would have rotated through the St Kilda forward line as they tried to find the the, the player to kick it to. Jazzy Garner was probably the the most likely, but the delivery, as as I've I've harped on about, is, is the one big issue that caused them all of their problems.
9: Here's a little tricky thing going forward for draft week and for the recruiters going forward. This year, how the less change in AFLW, how it'll be going from, uh, instead of just a straight 27, and the two rookies as well, which were signed prior to draft from any sport and could be selected at any time. There'll be now three rookies, but those rookies can only come into play when there's injuries. We've seen Kate Hoare out here today. If I'm correct, I think it might have been from basketball that she switched over. I remember someone saying that she switched over from another sport playing today, and she's just killed it today. Absolutely killed it. It was fantastic. And Anthony De Jong, I know, is around, and so is Damien Keeping. So Melbourne and Carlton representatives having a look and seeing Hoare going, there is a future footballer there. Now they get into a bit of a jam where if she's come from another sport, do you sign her immediately as a rookie before anyone else can get her? But the risk is you need an injury for her to play, or do you just take the gamble and say, okay, we, we won't sign her. Let's just... Wait till the draft happens and then see if we can pick her up second or third round. Well, I think you, well, it says he with no footballing
10: uh, operations experience, but. I, I would take her now. Yeah. I, I would put her on the rookie list because at least then she's on the list. Mm. And you're going to get an injury. That, yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's the fact. And we saw it come into play numerous times in the, the previous AFLW season. And a short season as well. And the other one that I've got uh, eyes on is Madison Gay. Two impressive performances mm. in two weeks for the Sharks. She was in the thick of things today. And for someone that's playing only a second game of senior footy, i tell you what, it looks like
15: she's played 50 games. And it wasn't just, uh, you know, a a burst at one point. She was popping up all throughout the game. So she's got the legs. She's got the game sense to be able to run to where she was needed. She was right in the thick of it towards the end as well. In the last 10 minutes, she was pumping the ball forward. So, yeah, absolutely. And there'll be heaps. I was going to say thousands, but that would be massive uh, overstatement. But there will be a number of players like that that will just go, oh, yep. I'm gonna play and once they get the game sense they're going to be wonderful footballers.
10: But begs the question, do they need to look at the way they're structuring this rookie setup? Mm. Do they need to do adopt the men's style where there is a, a rookie draft and perhaps, okay, maybe you've played footy at an amateur level for a year or you are coming from the sport but that's the pool that you nominate yourself in.
9: And as well as we've been talking about international footballers, because the AFL International Cup will be happening in August. That is an excellent point. Why not have the rookie draft then? So you get to see a full season of these rookies playing their first year. You then get to see the International Cup as well for any that you may say, oh, if you can get a visa that can come over for a year, you can play in this competition. Why, as you said, why not have it then in October? To be honest, AFL is always looking for extra publicity, so why not have that rookie draft in November so you're really stretching out the publicity, but it creates that hype around who from other sports is going to come across and let's see who gets grabbed.
10: And it allows them to... Blossom in this competition. So rather than be under pressure for the yeah. first couple of weeks, when when we are going to have this activity, mm. do it at the end of, of the state league season. So it gives the the pressure can be released off the players, allow them to get into the rhythm and the momentum because that's the only
15: way they're going to develop. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see after the the trade period is done, what influence the AFLW club has over their players, because they're not necessarily their players for the, in this case, the VFL women's season, but they will want, for example, Gab Pound, they'll want her to play a little bit more midfield forward, whereas here, the Muggers want her to play midfield defensive.
9: I can tell on the fitness side of thing at least that after the Darabin Muggers game as well is that there was staff, I think, from Carlton down there, fitness staff, having a look through all their respective players after they've pulled up to make sure they're doing the right things and making sure that they're fit. And if they've pulled up, saw what they need to do to make sure that they're in the right shape so they don't have any lingering injuries coming into AFLW 2018.
10: Uh, And I just noticed on the the rooms there was a sheet of paper that the Muggers players writing numbers down, I didn't get to uh, see what that exactly was, but that just goes to show, and even, you know, usually we're here now, about half an hour after the game, everyone's in the room having a drink. St Kilda players have gone down to the beach, Muggers players are out on the ground. The professionalism has stepped up yet
9: again. Well, it's time to wrap things up here on girlsplayfooty.com. Don't forget to look at our website, girlsplayfooty.com, during the week at our Twitter account, Girls Play Footy, because we'll be keeping you up-to-date with all the trades that are happening throughout the next two weeks as part of the AFLW trade period. But for now, we need to wrap things up. We will rejoin you uh, in May in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, today is obviously the 14th, so that would make it uh, the 27th of May on a Saturday. We'll confirm the game closer to the date, so join us in two weeks' time on RSN Carnival Digital. Andrew Jonathan, thank you for your work yesterday and today in the special comments role. Absolute pleasure. And as well to Matthew Cox for your calling today after making a trip down from Bendigo. Yeah. I can say it was a little warmer up there today considering the sun has now disappeared. I'm Peter Holden. On behalf of everyone at Girls Play Footy Radio, thank you very much for your company. You can join us again on RSN Carnival Digital Wednesday evenings, quarter past six for our weekly show, and then again in two weeks' time for more Swiss wellness VFL women's action. Today, it was Melbourne Uni defeating the St Kilda Sharks by one goal.
0: You're listening to Carnival on digital radio, live streaming around the world, and on the RSN smartphone app. See the listening guide at rsn.net.au. Racing Pulse with Michael
2: Felgate. Darren Beatman has taken over the reins as the interim trainer for the... Godolph, an operation in Australia. He joined us on Friday's Racing Pulse, and we asked him would he like the job full-time. Well,
0: I'm confident to take on this role right now, That I'll leave that up to the people that are going to decide what the future holds down the track. But, oh, look, I'm really happy, and we're just business as usual.
2: Racing Pulse, back Monday from 8.30 on RSN 927.
19: Oh, hi, I'm Maria from Sesame Street. At Elmer's Elmer. And we're here to talk about driveways. Driveways can be dangerous for children. Poor oh, a little red monster. So it's important for parents to always watch their children around them. Yeah, driveways are for cars, not for play. That's right, Elmo. Play only in safe places away from driveways because people in cars may not see you. Uh, Elmo sees you, Maria. Tag, you're it. Oh, you're right, <laughs> on, Elmo. Remember, driveways are like roads. Always supervise, separate, and see. Learn more at kidsafevic.com.au.
13: Even that could Hey, guys, I'm Jess. And I'm Lisa from the Veronica's for Rad. Rad. Recording artists, actors, and athletes against drink driving. What does it mean to be a designated driver? It means you're the friend who's agreed not to drink, not the person who's had the least to drink. It's cool to do and it shows you care about your friends. If you screw up just once, then your life changes forever. Face it, their lives are in your hands. So why don't you and your friends take it in turns to be the designated driver when you go out? You'll make the road safer for all of us. No matter what your age, most of us played sport when we were young, and there was
21: always one thing that made you want to disappear into a corner, or even give up your chosen sport, and that was when somebody on the sideline hurled abuse at either you or a teammate. These are the moments that make sport painful for so many kids, and the time has come to stop it. I'm Elise Perry from the Southern Stars, and my message is simple. Let kids be kids. Let them enjoy their sport without interference. Google, play by the rules to find out more.
4: Do you know someone with macular degeneration or glaucoma who's finding it hard to get around because of vision loss? They may have recently had a fall or you've noticed they're no longer able to find their way around safely. If you do, you should contact Guide Dogs. They help people just like this to stay safe and active. And it's a free service. To find out how Guide Dogs assists people with impaired vision to stay safe and independent, call 1-800-804-805. That's 1-800-804-805. Hi,
7: I'm Lane Beachley. Cartridges for Planet Art just had its biggest year ever. On average, 13,500 printer cartridges were collected every working day. And they were all turned into useful things like pens, garden beds, even road surfaces. So thanks to everyone who recycled from home, work or school. To make the coming year even bigger, check out cartridges.planetart.org.
18: Children drown in portable pools every year in Australia. Others are hospitalised because of non-fatal drowning incidents. Young children can easily topple in and drowning is silent and happens quickly. Royal Life Saving and consumer affairs agencies across Australia are reminding people to take important safety steps like active supervision of kids in and around portable pools. The question is, can you make it safe? For more information and simple safety tips, visit royallifesaving.com.au forward slash make it safe.
20: One of them is where I shake my head to get my hair out of my eyes. There's another one where I sort of do like a little squeaking in my throat. Tourette syndrome is a neurological disorder that affects thousands of Australians. It is characterised by involuntary movements and vocal noises called tics. We can't help it and we're just like you in every other way. So visit tourette.org.au